0: Good evening, everyone. December 27, Tuesday, December 27, 2022. Um, we got to stop meeting like this. Um, I'm actually thrilled the Green Candles agreed to uh, co-host this room with me. You know, throughout much of the year, you've heard me refer to the uh, car company show that shall not be named. Lately, though, um, we've really. The car company that shall not be named is the one company that we've been talking about. It's the car company that must be named. We did a tremendous space on uh, Saturday. Motorhead, uh, who is an old Japanese auto analyst, um, gave a real tour de force on Tesla, joined by Jim Chanos and others. Uh, It is now 10 AM on Wednesday in uh, Tokyo. Uh, I expect Motorhead will soon be joining us as the plot thickens um, with respect to the uh, car company that is being named. Before we start, uh, as is customary, just a little bit of remedial history. If you guys are bored, too bad. I I need to do this for myself. So I went up and looked in the... uh, It's a really good app to stay in history. So on this day in 1822, Louis Pasteur was born. One of the most important pioneers in medical microbiology. In 1932, Radio City Music Hall in New York City opened. Kind of amazing, 90 years ago. And in 1949, the Dutch uh, transferred um, uh, ownership uh, of Indonesia. became an independent country, I believe. Uh, a yeah, Dutch transfer of Indonesian uh, so- sovereignty. So those are your three factoids for the day. Queen Candle, how are you? I haven't talked to you for a couple weeks.
1: I'm doing well. I've uh, had a little bit of travel woes um, trying to get back, um, but other than that, spirits are high and
0: uh, I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself, George? Feeling uh, feeling pretty okay. I uh, was off last week. I um, was on holiday in Aruba, although it was a working vacation from the beach. One should be well advised to uh, stay in touch with me because when I go on vacation, volatility tends to pick up. So, um, state, you know, keep tabs on my schedule, uh, and the market, you know, um, after a tough few weeks for VETF earlier in the quarter, been on a real tear the last few weeks, so can't complain. Um, you know, this has been a truly, and as for markets. Most have had a tough time. So I'm sure it's a year that most are willing to, uh, looking forward to putting behind themselves and looking into your head. So, um, you know, we had a great space last night, uh, with Joe Fami, uh, and I guess the rallying cry, what I just said is nobody knows nothing. I think the title of the room was expect the unexpected. And, um, I, I find it interesting that, you know, the question I ask everyone, when it'll come up again tonight, I'm sure is that regardless of what your point of view is, what is the, conv- what is your conviction level associated with that point of view? And we're in such a period of heightened uncertainty that it's really difficult to be, to have tremendous conviction about a lot of things. And so what I like to ask everyone is is not, you know, what your relief is, you mark it up, mark it down, what sector you like or whatever. But how convicted are you about anything? And the market's truly humbled all of us. And, um, you know, it's, it's hard to have strong convictions about things, but we'll get into that later. Um, so let's... Uh, Where is Mr. Motorhead? I hope he shows up here before too long. Um, So Green Candle, maybe you could just run with it for a minute or two. Um, Maybe uh, your thoughts, um, I don't know, uh, what what you found noteworthy uh, from listening to other investors or um, what did you hear on CNBC that made your head explode? Uh, what, what, what 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 have you heard in recent days or weeks that really has caught your attention? Any any particular anything particularly noteworthy? Green candle.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I think I think what what's been kind of on top of my mind just just recently, just because of like I alluded to a little bit earlier, was just. Uh, you know, the the extensive travel woes that we've been getting into. And, uh, you know, it seems like, oh, well, Motorhead is, is joining us here, so I'll let him kind of get into it in a second. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it just seems like – the uh country is not exactly running on on all cylinders these days and it seems like it's it's pretty evident from uh you know the way that uh, a lot of these flights have been canceled and you know it, it, especially during one of the more uh i guess you know travel times of the year um and i and i agree with you here i think um your point about uh, conviction is is very timely especially in uh, such a volatile market so i think uh you know in in this next year that's that's going to be extremely important for a lot of investors is just to you know really know what you're investing in because uh you know it might not always be a, a super easy and straight up ride as it, as it once was, uh, a couple years ago. Um, so, um, but welcome to the space motorhead. And,
0: uh, yeah, thanks for having me co-host George. No worries. Hey motorhead. Uh, what is it? Uh, ten ten AM in Tokyo on Wednesdays. Do I got you? Got that right. Yes, it is. Yeah. Thank you me. and I spoke, uh, it was like 10 hours ago. I told you to get some sleep. Um, so I'm really, we're really grateful that you're back. Uh, it was truly magnificent to hear you on Saturday, uh, go through facts and figures as opposed to the uh, narrative-chasing cheerleaders that you see in the mainstream media and, frankly, in a lot of uh, big institutions. Um, so let's get into it. Uh, I wanna, I, what I really want to get into is the nuts and bolts dissecting what's really happening at Tesla on a fundamental basis. You know, if you turn on Bubble Vision or listen to, or look at FinTwit, Everyone wants to talk about Twitter and you know Elon. By the way, I, I made a beef of that the other day. I'm going to go back there again. No, the guy's name is Elon Musk. Unless he's a personal friend of yours, call him Elon Musk. They go Elon. It's like when people talk about Michael Jordan. No, it's 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 not Michael. It's Michael Jordan. Okay. So in any event, Elon is a is a is a polarizing Elon Musk is a polarizing figure. Um, he has a lot of detractors. Count me among them. And I really have to work hard to keep my emotion out of it. Uh, But but as the saying goes, Motorhead, and that's one of the things I love about you. You're 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 an analyst, analyst. Liars figure, but figures don't lie. So um, you know, as opposed to, I mean, I was watching this afternoon, late afternoon. They had Dan Ives on or somebody. Or, or, or what's his name? The guy from Loop uh, Ventures, uh, Gene Munster. How, and, you know, Melissa, Lee, how, much of, how much of Twitter's decline is due to Twitter? If, if, if Tesla's decline is due to Twitter? I mean, completely missing the point. So, Motorhead, do you want to just maybe start off with, um, I don't know, give the elevator pitch as to what's really going on at Tesla and why you're so passionately bearish on the stock Let's not talk about the CEO. Let's just talk about what's happening to deliveries, the order book, pricing, and as one old, old hand auto analyst to another, explain to the listeners how operating leverage works. And if you only got, what is it, a 25 or 20% gross margin using scam accounting, and you cut prices by 15%. You know, the operating margin is even less like how the earnings could disappear. I'm putting words in your mouth. but I'm just channeling my inner Motorhead back to Motorhead, how earnings could disappear. And as opposed to, I think you said, the gap estimate for earnings in 2023 for the street consensus is 17 billion. You're at five billion and you think it's even possible they could lose money. So Motorhead, without further ado, please take it away.
2: Thanks, George. Um, It's uh, it's a pretty dire situation for, for Tesla right now. And, um, I, 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 it's just amazing how slow consensus is to, to coming about it. Um, it, it's actually more amazing how, how the, uh, stock price is adjusting to, to what, um, reality is. And, um, and the point is that, um, that Tesla just
0: has Motorhead, I think we lost you. Can you unmute yourself? You're you muted again, please. I don't know what happened there. The, the app is getting a little bit weird. Right. Go, go ahead, Motorhead. Wind back In about ten seconds. We lost you.
2: Okay, so I think it's I think it's amazing that the uh, that the stock price is, adjust, is adjusting for for what's really going to happen, but um, consensus hasn't. So it's like you know, forget about consensus. They're always too slow. And this time, believe me, it's not only for Tesla, but for other stocks, too. The, the consensus is too slow to, to, to go down. But um, the, the the main point is that um, they, they make most of their profits from China. And um, we got weekly data um, today that showed that they're probably on a 25 percent year on year decline in, in deliveries in China now. You could Hold say, on! Wait, yeah, wait,
3: okay, wait,
0: wait. You said Chinese deliveries are running re- re- recently at about a, a decline of twenty five percent year on year. Is that what you said? Yeah. Exactly. Wait a minute! This is supposed to be a growth company where where deliveries are going to go fifty percent a year from here to eternity. So, what, what am I what am I missing here, Motorhead? I'm sorry to tease you. Go ahead.
2: No, no, it's um, it's it's uh, they're they're having a rough time in China now. Look, look this is this is. This has um, been expected. It, it, it wasn't expected that it was going to be this bad, but um, the point is that um, they, they have, um, you know, they've got a COVID breakout in China. Um, according to most of my friends, uh, some of which are on the on the on the space today, um, they're 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 saying that 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 Shanghai is like. Uh, Shanghai is the, their major re- region of, of deliveries. I mean, most of, I think something like um, 30 to 40 percent of their deliveries are in Shanghai. And um, and Shanghai is like pretty much in a lockdown right now. I mean, it's e- it's either you've got COVID or you don't have COVID. OK, so that's that. OK, let, let's say let's let's call that a one off. OK, so they've got zero order backlogs in China and all the all the big Japanese car makers I spoke to this week um, are saying the same thing China is 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 shit and the problem is that um, that China supplies um, if you strip out the exports it's it's something like 60 to 70 percent of their profits globally and and if you if you if you add in like the uh, losses that are probably being generated by, by Austin, their new Austin plant and their new Grunheide plant in Germany, um, they're they're you know China's even more of a of a you know profit weight for for, for Tesla than ever, and the fact that they're down twenty five percent locally um, year on year in December, and, th- and by the way, December is is if for anybody who follows Tesla, they know that. Um, that uh, last month of the last quarter of the, you know, the end of the year, you're, you're going to be killing it in every country. The fact that they're down 25% year on year, as of this, uh, as of last week is, is really bad. I mean, it's, it, 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 it for, for profits, it's, it's really bad. So what I think is going to happen is that by Q uh, when they announce Q4 results in, um, I, I, right now, it's scheduled at around January 26th. Um, I think you're going to see a huge, huge profit miss for Q4. And Tesla hasn't had a huge profit miss. I'm, I'm talking like, you know, double digit profit miss since um, Q2 of 2019. So um, I think that the, the looking at the share price action, I think people are starting to realize that people who are selling. And I think people are just, like, trying to get out of this as, right. as quickly as
0: possible. Right. Uh, yeah, because- so Motorhead, sorry, no, right. let's break this down to constituent parts. So you were throwing some delivery uh, numbers um, at me. Uh, what's the fellow, uh, Troy, Tesla, whatever, um, he's going for a delivery number significantly below consensus for 4Q. Is that, is that not correct? Yes, okay. that's true. And more importantly, the fourth quarter is almost over. So let's look ahead at 2023 because markets are forward-looking. So let's say Tesla delivers about a million three units this year. Three consensus is for a million nine next year. Uh, could you just repeat for everyone's benefit that wasn't in the room the other day what your best guess is for deliveries for Tesla in twenty twenty three?
2: Okay, so I've got um, I've got about one point six million units um, in deliveries. But the, the the thing is, deliveries are 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 irrelevant because um, they could make two million units uh, if they. If they drop the price enough and this is the problem this is like everybody's become a car counter you know with the, with tesla stock everybody has become a car counter and um so okay so my delivery estimates are 1.6 million which is about 17 percent year-on-year growth but um it, it's not the deliveries that count it's the pricing that counts and um, I just like I said, I, I just spoke to three of the largest car makers in the world in the past two days. And um, they're they're all saying that, thing you know, their ICE vehicles are flying off the shelves. But with Tesla, they're 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 at zero order backlog in in the US and they're at zero backlog in China. Two biggest markets in, in, in their universe. And so what 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 really strikes me is that um that um, despite the fact that ICE is is like coming back with a vengeance, um, Tesla, for some reason, has no orders um, in their
0: two biggest markets. So, Motorhead, let's now get into pricing, because obviously, as you point out, if you cut prices enough, you can drive volumes. But if you think that you can do a million and five, Michael, please mute yourself. Uh, I'm gonna, remove Michael, I'm gonna, I'm sorry to put you back in the audience, because your your speaker keeps going nuts on us. you're welcome to come up when it's time. Time to talk. So, Motorhead, um, if you assume a million five million six units next year. What sort of pricing uh, are you using in your model? Because I was really struck by you pointed out recently of, of all the uh, all the price cuts. And could you talk a little bit about pricing and what do you think? What are you modeling for pricing for next year? Okay, so I've got
2: pricing going going down about um, I've got pricing going down about. Um, uh 13% and this is um mainly on the back of Europe and China because um they're going to have to cut prices in both of those countries really big time. Um in America they've got this um you know uh Biden inducted IRA plan which is the most ridiculous um EV plan in the world but the point is they they will make some money from that. Um in terms of pricing, in terms of pricing power, they're gonna have they're gonna have a tailwind from that. But everywhere else in the world, they're down. And um, I think that um, the the big thing here is that a they they might see some pricing um, uh, tailwinds in in America, but it's it's the least profitable market for them in the world. And where they're the most profitable, which is China. They're going to see um, pricing headwinds big time, big time. I mean, immediately as of January 1st, um, there are there are um, uh, subsidies that are being removed that that, you know, amount to something like three to four percent of their pricing.
0: Right. Um, so so, so right. Mona, putting this all together, if you've got units up, say, 15, 20 percent. And you're going to plug in what type of, just give me a global price and guesstimate number, down 10 or something for next year. Like, mean, What's a reasonable number blended?
2: So I've got, yeah, I, I think, I think um, 10 to 13% is, is what I'm looking okay, at. Okay. So, so, my...
0: so you, you put that through the, the blender, the food processor, and that only gives you a total revenue growth of what, 5% or something like that. Um, I've got, I've got total revenue growth of thirteen percent. Total revenue is up thirteen, so they're going to do what eighty some odd billion this year. Um, what are your exact revenue numbers?
2: Yes, yeah, so um, so I've got them doing eighty one billion in 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 uh, you know all of twenty twenty two, and then I've got them doing like ninety one billion in twenty twenty three. And the street and
0: consensus is what like one fifteen or something like that. Uh.
2: The uh, the street consensus for revenues is is um is a lot higher. Um, the consensus for uh, the street consensus for revenues, um, next year versus my ninety one billion, is um, is not that much lower. It's well, uh, sorry, excuse me. It's it's one hundred and fourteen. Okay, so
0: stop right there. If you're at ninety one and they're at one thirteen, it's a twenty two billion dollars shortfall. Uh, you then plug in, you know, the, the gross profit contribution that would come from that. That's before we even get into your assumptions about cost of goods sold. But just just the sheer, if they're running with a 25% gross margin or 27% gross margin, whatever the numbers, I don't have it to commit it to memory. If you have a $22 billion revenue shortfall. Just to start the conversation, I'll spot you a $6, billion, uh, 6 billion shortfall in uh, EBITDA. Now let's go to the uh, income statement, uh, particularly the cost of goods sold. You speak a little bit about semiconductors and also about explain to people this is not this is not readily apparent. Certainly wasn't apparent to me, but explain how the fact that uh, uh, car prices got you know jacked up so much how that differentially uh, benefited uh, Tesla and now that the movie runs in reverse how it's going to hurt Tesla. So so speak to semiconductors and also to used car prices, Motorhead. Okay,
2: so um. The semiconductor crisis, the the chip shortage for auto auto stocks, uh, auto companies started um, in uh, exactly when the pandemic um, hit the entire world, which was Q1 of 2020. And and the point is that um, most car makers, um, I mean, they're taking there's there's such a huge shortage of microchips for for automakers. That they're they're taking. Uh, I'm I'm not joking you. This is this is like real. They're taking chips from water heaters, like Toyota and Honda proudly and Subaru told me that they were proudly taking semiconductor s- semiconductor chips from from um, water heaters to um, to make up for the shortages and chips that they have for 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 their cars. And it took them. It took them a, about a year and a year and a half to get that safety um, to get the safety approval for those chips. Uh, what Tesla did was, Tesla's really, really fucking nimble. I mean, but I mean, do you want to drive in that car? It, it's like it's. I, I don't when I when I get an Uber and it's a Tesla, I cancel it, and it's it's because because of the fact that they took semiconductor chips probably from like fucking hair blow dryers. And um and the thing is they don't they don't approve it for safety. And so they've they've been just they just want to sell as much as they can produce. And they've got this 50% year-on-year growth target. And so the the bottom line is that Tesla is is trying to at least grow output by 50% year on year. Um, They backed off and said that they can't grow deliveries that much in q4 because of you know it's true they 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 had a lockdown in in shanghai and all that but the point is that um the, the the bottom line is that um ice vehicles they're flying off the shelves they're flying off the shelves and um for some reason i think it has to do with cost with pricing um tesla vehicles have a zero backlog
0: order both
2: in the u.s and in china and that's, that's, that's
0: really bad for Q1 right. in And Motorhead, you really captured my attention, my imagination. When you were explaining to me how when you had a, a shortage of new cars in the last couple of years, I mean, you should tell the story. It's your story. How um, Explain how differentially the fact that Tesla doesn't have a dealer network and the ice manufacturers do, how that really uh, benefited Tesla and now how now the movie's running in reverse – how on a relative basis is going to hurt Tesla. So could you go through? Sorry.
2: Yeah, uh, great, great point, George. Um, so, so, and I, I confirmed this once again. Okay. So I, 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 um, I spoke to Toyota yesterday and, and Honda um, um, the other day. And the point is that um, used car prices are plummeting. I mean, you look at CarMax's results. I mean, they, they missed, you know, EPS estimates by 65% um, last week. And the point is that used car prices are going down, and when used car prices go down, it's a leading indicator for new car prices. It means that they're, you know, it, people are just not ready to buy cars um, as as much as they used to be during the pandemic. And so the point is that um, there, if you've got used car prices dropping by, I mean, I think as of November end. Um, used car prices were down like 25%. So what happens is, is that um, during the pandemic, um, car dealers have been um, boosting the price of, of their, um, of, of the cars that they sell. So for instance, um, a Toyota RAV4, MSRP, let's say it's $30,000. The uh, car dealerships um, who, who deal Toyota, you know, vehicles, are boosting that by thirteen thousand dollars at the high end. And like the the e you know, the 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 very popular, you know, EV made by Ford, that's like getting, you know, five to ten thousand dollars markups um at the dealerships by, you know, five to five to ten thousand dollars. So what's happening is that the the dealers have have price gouged during the pandemic when there was a shortage of new vehicle inventories because of the chip shortage and what's going to happen is that um, the dealers and i've confirmed this with honda and toyota that the dealers will take the hit so if if um if cars pile up in their dealership lots um they're going to come down from you know ten thousand to fifteen thousand dollars versus msrp on the most popular models Back down to MSRP, and, I, and so so I asked Honda. I'm like, okay, what happens if if it comes down to MSRP, and inventory starts piling up? They said, well, you know, we'll we'll offer them again because the the, the OEMs have really all they've done is cut their dealer incentives. Dealer incentives are like one to three thousand dollars, so that the OEMs start just lowering their dealer, dealer incentives and um, the dealers take most of the hit. Tesla has a direct sales model. They've raised their prices 27% since the pandemic started. If that goes down and, and everybody's everybody's sitting there, you know, I, including myself, looking at Tesla making 17% operating margins, excluding you know Zev credits. It, it, it's it's something i've never seen before i i'm i'm astounded by it but if if they if they have a direct dealership uh direct sales model where they don't have dealers and they have to take 100 percent of the hit from the price cuts hello
1: george do you hear that i uh, i can hear you motorhead so i i think uh i don't
2: know you got accidentally muted so um if you want to keep on going so what I'm saying is that um, uh, because of the chip shortage um, and new cars are, are, um, are in low supply, um, the MSRPs have been boosted at the dealerships. So all the car dealers and, and you saw you saw CarMax's results last week. They were, they were horrible. They missed they missed consensus by like 60 percent. Um, car prices are coming down. And um, the, the major OEMs I spoke to this week have, have confirmed that um, their prices are actually still going up. So ICE vehicles are selling like, you know, like they're flying off the shelves. But um, for some reason, Tesla has a zero, zero backlog order in, in the United States. And um, they're, they're looking at a really stark Q1 for 2023, both in the U S and China. And the point is that, um, if prices come down and, and everybody says, oh, well, you know, this Biden IRA, th- you know, EV subsidy is going to help, is going to help Tesla. It, it will, but, um, it's only for a select crowd and it's for a select crowd that makes, you know, if you're, if you're the single, you know, um, person in the family, it, it's, it only kicks in if you make, you know,
0: over 150, Sorry about that, guys. Um, hold on one second here. We get the room back together. David, can you hear me? Yes, sir. I'm sorry about that. I don't know what the heck happened here to this room. This is David. quite annoying. So he, he was he was really on a roll there. Um, and, you know, the thing is, instead of just having opinions, if you actually go through the numbers, as he does, you're kind of uh, inevitably led to uh, a conclusion, which is at odds with the, uh, the consensus. um the consensus view so um, that's what i really like about him he's a he's a real analyst he doesn't just start with the opinion it's like how, how did he get how did he get to uh how did he get to his answer it's like when you're in high school math you know show your work and so um while we're waiting for him to come in here um as i think he was starting to explain he's got a he's got a delivery number which is well well below consensus you know a million, and motorhead come back up here um i just sent you an invite to speak sorry about that motorhead so if you if you take his inventory number, his, his delivery number of a million five, million six instead of a million nine, and then throw in pricing, which is, you know, down ten percent globally, um, at the gross profit line, uh, you've got your 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 your, your very challenge. And then you start throwing in increasing overhead. So hey, we're working down the income statement. So we we have your your million five, million six uh, unit delivery number, which is only up, you know, 20 percent. You got pricing down ten, and then talk about you were talking about the 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 cost situation with increasing overhead from the opening of the two factories um and then also you know uh differentially uh, how they're being hurt by um the uh uh, decline in prices because they benefited from the rise in prices and so motorhead i mean i don't want to get too too much into the weeds on this but maybe just move the ball further along so i think you explained the other day consensus gap for 2013 2023 is around 17 billion if i recall correctly you were saying what about five billion or something like that was that was that kind of your number
2: yeah so um because they're going to see a price cut um the price price cuts are inevitable and i think even the, the 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 tesla fanboys are are looking at a price cut but um um what they don't understand is the operating leverage is, is, is what you were touching on. And the, the point is that um, it, um, when, you, when, when you have two new factories and, and, and Tesla, just mind you, they, their accounting is really, really dodgy. And, and um, I've never seen a car company do this before, but they depreciate their fixed costs. And there's startup costs so when you start a new plant you've got machinery and equipment you've got the the building which is not that big of a deal but the point is you've got all these startup costs that that um should be booked and most most you know honest car makers book those costs up front we haven't seen those costs because um, tesla books those costs on a per unit basis so the more they increase the production in, in, in their new factories in Texas and in Germany, you're going to see costs of units sold go up. So what I'm seeing is, is um, they may be able to do 1.6 or let's say they can do consensus of 1.9 million units next year, but it will come at a huge cost, which is price cuts of around, you know, 10 to 20%, you know, down year on year. And if that happens, there's a chance that Tesla makes a loss in, in I, I would say, probably Q2 or Q3. And uh, Q1 is already is, is, is going to be a shit show. But um, consensus is now at $17.5 billion in gap net income for, for Tesla next year. And um, based on based on just, you know, 13 uh, based on 1.6 million deliveries next year, 1.5 million deliveries, um, I'm only seeing about 11 billion in net profits. So this is a company that is valued on growth and um, the profits are going X growth. Um, I've seen this many times before. When you've got a growth stock going X growth, um, it's 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 a disaster.
0: And Motorhead, uh, if you look at, you know, remind the listeners that it, it's has a market cap of $345 billion. $345 billion uh, for that sort of profit level with the possibility of a loss. And also keep in mind, you know, 100% plus of their profits come from China. Yep. You know, what multiple do you put in a freaking Chinese automaker? Well, I mean... So... You know, you know, you know. If the earnings don't kill you, the valuation compression will. I mean, to me, this is just a complete lose lose. Uh, and so, let me put it another way, Motorhead. If you were to try to argue against yourself, what would that argument sound like?
2: Well, I mean, I I, I, I continuously look at 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 Tesla's valuation. So my my favorite car maker in the world. Um, And which I use, by the way, I run a hundred percent, you know, automotive, you know, EV um, fund that is based around Tesla. So um, the biggest hedges I have against Tesla um, is the, the biggest one is Toyota. And Toyota is actually I mean, they're in the doghouse this year because they're they're bailing out their suppliers. But, you know, this is sort of it's like it's so Japanese, but it's like, you know, Hey, we're you know we're spending you know um, tens of billions of dollars to to um, support our suppliers so that next year we can grow profits. So if you're going, is the way to look at Tesla in my in my eyes is is their market cap versus Toyota, and they're still at this point about one point nine times the market value market capitalization of Toyota, which is which is ridiculous. Toyota makes like you know. In, in good times, they they can do 11 million units a year. You know, I mean, Tesla is is, is estimated to do about you know 1.9 million next year. So it's like, um, right. you know, it's ridiculous.
0: And then and then in a similar fashion, the metric I always like to point to, and for those of you that don't know me, I started my career back in 1981 as the uh, auto analyst at Fidelity, and following auto stocks for 41 years. I happened, I was fortunate enough to the auto analyst uh, when Peter Lynch went to Detroit and bought Chrysler and Ford I remember sitting with him got a whole day with Lee Iacocca I take no credit for that I just was a young buck didn't know anything I just shut up and carried his bags but I've been following auto stocks for uh, 41 years and one of the things that you said Motorhead, one of the key points that you that really resonates with me and most investors miss is operating leverage uh I mean when things are bad um it, it, it's often one cannot imagine how good they can become. And when things are good, um, you can't imagine how bad they, they, they can become. And so when you have a company which has, you know, a 25% gross margin or thereabouts, um, uh, even allowing their scam accounting, and you start t- taking, a, taking an ax to, to profitability of you know, cut pr- prices by 10% or whatever, that's just on the gross margin line, and that flows all the way down to the operating uh, margin line. You can see those profits disappear pretty quickly. Another measure I like to look at, and I know we talked about this the other day, Motorhead. If you look at EV to sales or price to sales, I think the average auto stock sells at what 0.5, 0.6 times revenues, 0.7 times revenues, something like that. And even now, even now at this, even though the price has fallen mightily, Tesla's still selling at four times sales. So you know, I put the name of the room up there deliberately. Um, well, I did it for two reasons. One, to be a wise guy. People would no one would expect anything less from me. Because as an annoying fellow who keeps running these rooms relentlessly every other day, why Tesla will triple uh, this year. So I thought, why not be a, why not be a jerk and put why Tesla might call that 80%. But actually, there's some, there's some seriousness behind that. If you mm-hmm. plug in your types of uh, earnings numbers, and it's X growth, and we all know valuations expand and contract, in line with growth accelerating, decelerating, but you put this thing on a lower multiple of either earnings or go to or, or revenues. I mean, just to start the conversation, instead of four times sales, put it on one time sales. It still be at a premium to the other water guys. I mean, if you've got, you know, that that would give it an eighty-five billion dollar uh, uh, market cap, ninety billion dollar market cap um, in comparison to the three hundred forty-five billion it sells at right now. So you know, say it's down eighty percent. Oh, I exaggerate. Only down seventy five percent, right? And so, I I, to me, I I think I tweeted this out. I'd be surprised, you know, not to take a victory lap. But I tweeted out in the second quarter of this year when Tesla was three something that it was going to go to a hundred, adjusted for splits. And I I put that the wise guy uh, tweet today, saying, "Hey, you know, only a few days left to go. Do you think we're going to get to my hundred target?" So I think I speak with some credibility on this subject and I will just say right here, right now at 109, um, you know, I, I I'm very, and listen, not investment advice. I could be wrong. It won't be the first time. It surely won't be the last time, but when you play with the numbers, when you play with the numbers, as you do, it's, it's, it's very easy to see how the stock could be 20, 30, 40 bucks a share. And in fact, it's impossible, I think, quite quite likely. It's difficult to see how it doesn't at least get cut in half from here. And the thing is, you have all the fanboys. Everyone's following the narrative, the story. Oh, how can it go down so much? Elon this, Elon that. They don't do any work. I mean, they had that space there. I don't think you were in it, Moderator, because you were sleeping. But, you know, that was a not-so-veiled profits warning from Elon Musk. He was going on about Jerome Powell and Fed policy and, as Jim Chano said in our space the other day, he basically told everyone, it was tantamount to him saying Tesla cyclical. It's a cyclical Chinese automaker. Yep, That exactly. does not deserve to sell on four-time sales. No. So so if we just start with one-time sales, I'm just picking a number, and then plug in whatever you want. I mean, you know, as a fame, one of my favorite movies, Margin Call, you know, Jeremy Irons. Uh, Mr. Motorhead, uh, you're the analyst here? On, you know, I understand you're about auto Motorhead, uh, please explain to me why Tesla isn't a $30 stock. Pretend I'm a golden retriever or a small child. I mean, to me, it's just mind-boggling that it still sells where it does. And it's tantamount. It reminds me of the line from George Soros. One of George Soros's great points was one of the ways to make money, one of the many ways to make money, a brilliant investor, was to try to figure out, try to have the variant perception, trying to figure out what is it the market believes it's not true or you think it's not true but more importantly more importantly or equally important try to determine when the market will figure out it's been had i mean i will plead guilty to being too bearish too early on tesla and i think you're the same way yeah but that, that that doesn't disqualify one from uh, from having a legitimate opinion right now and so the point is you know trying to get the timing right on this whole thing when will the market realize it's been had and Motorhead, how would you respond to the assertion that we're kind of about that time right now, that we're in that that we're in that phase of discovery, in that phase of awakening? What would you say to that? I would say that um, I wish I had more shorts
2: um, in Tesla right now. Um, I, I did cover a lot last week. Um, but the point is, um, so here's where we stand. And this is why I think that, that um, if you're looking to short Tesla, um, there's still a huge amount of downside. So the average, the the average ten car makers um, under uh, uh, in, in in terms of market cap underneath um, Tesla, which includes Toyota, Volkswagen, Daimler, BMW, all those big guys, they traded an average EV to sales of of zero point three eight times. Okay, I mean this is like market cap
0: oh, plus net cap. Talking- Oh, Dad, motorhead, do you mean I was being too generous when I said point five or point six? You're saying it's point three eight. It's point three eight as of today. And if you give, if you motorhead, give, Motorhead, talk dirty to me. Keep going.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so if you if you give Tesla on um, now, th- these are my estimates. Okay, I mean, but but it's revenue, so it's, it's like not that huge of a difference. Okay, I mean, I'm looking at like ninety one billion. The Street's looking at a hundred and thirteen billion. Um, you still you still get like on my estimates, you've got a thirty nine dollar multi uh, thirty nine dollar fair value price for Tesla. Now, what I look at more, I, I think that the, the easiest thing to look at, which is the easiest thing to forecast is 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 price to book value and the average automaker, um, you know, Toyota down to, you know, Nissan and all that stuff is trading at about zero point seven times book value. Volkswagen trades at 0.4 times book value. I mean, th- th- this is incredible. And, this, th- and the reason why is because these guys are cyclical companies that blow themselves up, you know, regularly, you know, every five to 10 years. And so of course they trade below book value and so should Tesla. And if you give Tesla a 0.7 times book value they trade uh, the fair value is eight dollars.
0: <laughs> All right, let's stop here. <laughs> I think the referee's got to call this fight here. This is this is cruel and unusual punishment. All right, so so it's a Motorhead. Let's just stay there. This has been awesome. Let's open let's open this let's open it up and let's get this party started. Um, let's go first to um, the guy with the best name, the best handle on Twitter. Nostra House of Dumbass. Always good to see you, Nostra. What's going on? Please unmute yourself. Hey, George.
4: How's it going? All good. What's up, my man? Uh, My question is uh, in in relation to the uh, price movements in in Tesla. It's looking uh, to me like momentum is really picking up. And a lot of the retail players are um, getting margin called. And uh, I'm not sure if you would know this or not or have a rough estimate because it's not public information. But around what uh, price do you believe Musk will, will get margin called? I, I've talked around, and one guy came up with like $81.
0: All right, so hold on, hold on, hold on. Motorhead is equipped to answer that question. He directed my attention to a fantastic thread. Motorhead, why don't you talk about that thread and maybe even put it up in the nest in the nest when, when you get a moment to breathe. Motorhead, please take it away. Um, I, uh, uh, there's, a, there's an account
2: called Jabberwock, And um, this guy's a very diligent, you know, numbers guy. He came up with the estimate that um, Musk's margin call is about one hundred and fourteen dollars. Let's discount that and say it's maybe a hundred dollars. But we're getting close to that level. And um, what we do know from public information. And by the way, Jabberwock did these estimates based on public information, but um, as of August, the last proxy statement that um, Tesla published, um, Musk has about 89 million shares pledged on margin. So this is before the Twitter deal closed. So we don't know whether it's more or less. I would guess it's you know at least the same, if not more. And um, so what you have is is an event where Morgan Stanley, which is probably the main provider of that of that margin. Um, selling $89 million
0: in the open market. Yeah, and, 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 and Motorhead, um, maybe go into a little bit more, but, but from memory, because uh, I, I read the article after you pointed me to it, the thought was that the loan-to-value ratio was maybe, what, 20 to 25% or something like that, and we don't know the exact covenants, but let's just ballpark it. And so if the price gets cut in half, which it has, all of a sudden that goes up to, you know, 40 or 50 percent and unless he's got more cash to put up he or, or morgan stanley becomes a forced sellers is, is that about right motorhead
2: yeah it is it is and and so th- this is the thing is is um from that thread that um J- jabberwock put out last week about you know where M- musk's uh, margin call would be which he estimates is 114 dollars i mean we're below that today Um, He he suggests that, you know, uh, if you read through that whole thread, there are a lot of people saying he doesn't have any more cash. And it it sort of is true. I mean, he 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 provided um, some credit to that margin at Morgan Stanley back in two, uh, I, I think three or four years ago when he sold five, when he, he he like there was this big, you know, d- these big headlines in the press saying, oh, Elon Musk is not living in a house anymore because he sold five of his houses in, in California. He did. And he did that to, to, to um, maintain his margin standing at, at, at Morgan Stanley mainly. And the point is, is like, what else does he have to sell right now? I don't know. and, yeah. and the, you, you hear about, you hear about spacex right he's he's um there was some news that he was selling you know some more spacex stakes and whatnot i don't know but the point is he's really running thin i mean if they if they margin call him i doubt that he has that much cash to come up with
0: aside from tesla stock right and so and so let me let me let me me contextualize that put another way he's asset rich and cash poor He's asset rich. insofar he owns Tesla shares, just like FTX had a lot of assets in terms of FTX coins. Um, and so, you know, when you look at how Musk frequently um, uses one company to subsidize or cross collateralize another company, so go back to the demise of Solar City a few years ago, where you know he couldn't allow it to go bust. So, uh, you know, what happens? Uh, Tesla comes in and buys, uh, takes over Solar City. Of course, who was buying the solar city bonds at a discount just before it got taken over? Uh, Kimball and himself, but I digress. Um, Musk is, uh, I think it's, we don't know. And so everything we talked about so far, we kind of believe now I'm going to make a complete supposition. Imagine for a second if, he, if it is as we say it is, and he's all levered up with no cash. I would like to go back to last week's um, space, and he took great pains to promise people, and if someone has the, the, the thread, please put it, put it up in the nest. Someone uh, it was Bloomberg. there was a great uh, tweet going around. It showed, it was a chart annotated showing the, the four or five times in the last year or two when Musk sold stock. And um, on a couple, more than one occasion, he had said he wasn't going to sell anymore. So there's no reason to take what he's saying at face value. But even if you take what he's saying at face value, I would suggest there's a little bit of there's a potential for a hanky-panky right here. And this is a question, not a statement. It's a question. But, Motorhead, think about this for a second. What if it turns out, you know, Morgan Stanley, he's, he's got all this leverage on with his Tesla position at Morgan Stanley, and it's Morgan Stanley who's liquidating the shares. So, technically, when he says he's not selling any more stock, he may not be the one pulling the trigger. Maybe it's Morgan Stanley. So, Musk has shown time and time again willingness to be too clever by a half or how should we say it in a more uh, erudite polite fashion par- be parsimonious with the truth and nothing would surprise me i mean especially given he has no credibility anyone who believes when he says he won't sell him with stock well you might want to go go look go look at that chart of the, of the last year of when he sold when he sold stock i mean you what part of that would you agree with disagree with or, or would you endorse Motorhead?
2: um I, I i think that um i think we're close but um I, I don't I don't believe it was uh, 114 dollars as um, uh, the Jabberwock um, account estimated last week and he, he, he's he's got solid maths behind this but I think that um when we get to the level where 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 musk might get margin called you're going to see a huge gamma squeeze
0: and we haven't seen that yet in moderate, so, in moderate, by the way everyone's benefit in the room it doesn't matter whether it's 120, 110, 100. Look, we don't know, all right? Here's the important point, and we all know this as traders. When the market smells blood in the water, Motorhead, what does it do? When the market smells blood in the water? Yeah, I mean, they, 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 it, they open their jaws bigger. It attacks. So the market will find that level of the margin call, if it hasn't already. Yeah, and it here- will. Yeah, so, so to your point about the gamma squeeze in reverse yes, that's coming soon to a theater near you. And the other thing I'd like to point out you know we're all anchored um, it's what the you know the psychiatrist referred to as a recency bias. everyone's like, oh how can I sell Tesla at, at you know at 140 it was at 160. how can I sell it at 120 it was just at 135 yada 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 okay Zoom out as our crypto Maxi friends would say. And the bigger scheme of things, you and I had this conversation the other day, Motorhead. If you came down from planet Mars and you weren't triggered by Musk's personality and you didn't think it was a great company because you made a lot of money in it and you didn't think it was a bad company because you bought it higher up and you're underwater and you just looked at the fundamentals you didn't look at the chart, you had no idea what the history of the Shire price, you don't listen to CNBC and someone says to you, okay, here's this car company. You know, they're going to sell a million three units, 80 million in revenues. These are the profits. Bada, bada, bing, bada, bing. Growth is slowing, blah, blah, blah. What should it sell at? And you do your comps and do your analysis. And it's like, you know, which one's not like any other one compared to all the other companies? You said, well, yeah, I don't know. This should be 20 or 30. I don't know, 40, something like that. I don't think 109 is the number that would be top of mind. So no, I, I, I agree. I, I just, and so what's happened is this thing, this is like a hot air balloon, which is now rapidly deflating. And people are like, oh, it's oversold. I can't sell it. And people heard this bad joke from you before. I'm not the one who made this up. It comes from the great tech chair, the retired artist from Wellington. What does oversold mean? The true definition of oversold is I forgot to sell it. I still own it. And it went down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and what does overbought mean? Overbought means, oh, I, I didn't get around to buy it. And it went up without me. So right. so the term overbought and oversold I think as our british friends would say that's bollocks it's crap but and, but but george
2: let, let let me just remind you and, and 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 this is very important for for the audience um there has been a car maker that's done this and it's subaru okay be, be, between 2010 and 2016 um subaru grew uh, and, and and it's 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 phenomenally you know, similar to Tesla, they 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 made five hundred thousand units a year, and then they scaled up to one point two million a year, and and their operating margins actually hit seventeen percent, which is you know, Tesla topped that you know in the last quarter. But the point is that um, I, I I sat down and I talked to them. Um, this is in June, at the end of June, and I said I said why why did you go from from from, you know, from 500,000 to 1.2 million units and made 17% margins. Now you guys are making like 4% margins. I'm like, what happened? How did, how does this happen? And they, they gave me a great answer. They said, we were operating as a 500,000 unit company per year. And we grew to 1.2 million and we didn't grow into that space. I'm like, what do you mean? And they said, "Well, we we just we just didn't manage it, you know, well enough." So, what what happened with Subaru was um, not only did growth slow down because nothing, you know, and this is the thing with with Tesla, nothing goes up in a straight line that doesn't come down, and and um, so Tesla's been going up, but what happened with Subaru um, at their peak in 2016, 2017 was that they. That they had horrible quality problems. And so you started seeing huge hits to their to to their um, PL based on quality issues. And I think, I mean, if there's any car maker that has quality issues, it's Tesla. And
0: and my, and yeah, I, yeah, Motorhead. was quality the ultimate undoing of Subaru? No, it wasn't. It wasn't. so 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 what was it because subaru was such a hot brand they had a real niche and i I was not aware they kind of gone off the rails so badly last few years but what undid subaru It, it
2: was it was quality actually um it really was um but also also their their unit growth um also slowed but um As the unit growth slowed, um, you had declining volumes, and then you had um, warranty costs. And so it's the
0: warranty costs that really killed them. All right, all right, all right, Motorhead, now we're cooking with Crisco. Here we go. So, Motorhead, I want to talk about two things specifically on Tesla. One, could you talk about the extent to which uh, Tesla under, under provisions for warranties, like what their typical provisions are, you know, versus what their actually ongoing warranty expenses wind up being like that to keep repairing all these freaking cars and then also you know how their warranty uh, reserves provisions compare to other automakers so one question is warranties the other question is and, and, and a smart member of the audience reminded me of this and it's useful ground to go over um you know does does tesla have anything special do they have any moat and what about the self-driving cars and and, and and where do things stand with respect to, you know, whether self-driving cars are ever going to become a real thing anytime soon for Tesla? So first, let's start with the quality and and the warranties and the extent to which they're under provisioning for warranty expense.
2: OK, so the quality is shit. It's a complete shit.
0: Um, I mean, this uh,
2: uh, <laughs> I'm not going to mention which car maker said this to me, but they they tore apart a model s and they said okay this is this is a pretty good product but this is back in like you know 2000 you know um 10 2012 they tore apart the model three and they said this is the biggest piece of shit we've ever seen and um so and and they're they're i mean i'm not an expert on this i mean i i think um the guys on on tesla q on twitter like um or thereabout, about you know lewis Carruthers and 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 stanfield capital those guys are the experts on the on the warranty front but they are definitely um under uh underestimating what the warranty um costs will be and if you talk to a lot of fanboys um you'll hear that that um there's a they have three outstanding um recalls right now from Nitsa from the from the regulator and um and my, my Tesla fanboy friends are saying that they're they can't they still have yet to get a date to for when they can take their Tesla in to get um, the recalls the three recall issues fixed. So what they've been doing is they've been growing their unit volumes, building factories, and all this shit, but they haven't been spending to to service their their fleet. And this is this is what the big risk with Tesla is is that. Um, their fleet has grown so much, but they have not grown their service centers as much, which means that we're we're coming close to a point where, and and this this happened in in Q1 of uh, 2019, where they actually sorry Q1 of 2020, where they actually took a five a half a billion dollar hit on on um you know on the Model S and X um residual value guarantee loans that they had out. Um, but you're going to see more and more stuff like this come through and they don't measure it in, in their automotive gross profits. They measure it in their service and other division. Right. So This is, why, this, is this is why Tesla's gross margins are bullshit,
0: which is why. Right. I, yeah, exactly. I, which is part of the scam. Cause all the gullible analysts, they just take that bogus gross margin and they, and they, as, it, it, as the units grow 50% a year, they gun the gross profits that way. And it's, the 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 recurring non recurring bullshit happens elsewhere in the income statements. Oldest trick in the book. Um, so Motorhead. Um, I also met, was reminded. I got to ask about used car, used Tesla prices. Now let's go. Average Joe, just hold on. We're doing this in order here. So so let's talk about. Um, does Tesla have anything special? Is there anything proprietary? Is there any moat? I mean, talk to me about. I mean, they don't. I mean, I, I, I'm leading question. Of course, I don't think the, I think the answer is no. But. Talk to me about what Panasonic tells you, other auto companies tell you. Does does Panda, I mean, okay, give give Tesla credit? They have the first ones there, fine. But did they have a moat? Do they have anything special in in our self-fully self-driving cars likely to be a thing anytime soon for Tesla?
2: Yeah, okay. Let's talk about like what, what they have that's special. Okay. I mean, they do have really sexy um electric vehicles, okay? So I mean, in the old days when you thought about electric vehicles, you thought about the uh you know, you thought about the first um, electric vehicle that was brought out by GM, which which looked like shit, and then Honda, which looked like even bigger shit. But the thing is that Tesla made you know electric vehicles cool. They and, and so here here is the thing. Here is the thing about about um, about Tesla is that it, it because you've got electric motors, the um, acceleration is 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 completely amplified. So the first thing you do when you drive a Tesla, you punch the pedal and and the acceleration goes, you know, off the roof. And you're like, oh, Jesus Christ, you know, this is like inc- insane. But I mean, I got the same thing when I when I drove a 997 turbo, you know, from Porsche. And um, but the point is, what, what I'm trying to say is like, yes, they've they've got a, they've got a they had they have a great design. And they've and because it's electric, people are like, "Oh my god, I don't have to spend you know one hundred you know fifty thousand dollars on a Turbo Carrera, and I get this kind of acceleration." So, okay, they've got that, but you know what? Everybody's doing the same thing. I mean, elect electronic propulsion leads to fast acceleration, and and everybody's coming around to that to that point. But the point is, um, do they have a moat? Um, Maybe they're charging facilities. The fact that if you buy a Tesla, you can drive cross country in, in, in America. But, you know, who the fuck cares? So, I mean, I would say that, you know, that's about it in terms of mode and that's full self driving, by the way, full self driving. I mean, this is this is going to be litigated by by, I, you know, I mean, whether you're pro Biden or anti Biden Pro Trump, whatever. The one thing that's good about the Biden administration is is um, uh, the Tesla fanboys have already insulted um, Pete Buttigieg. And Pete Buttigieg um, is in charge of NHTSA. And NHTSA is the one who's now digging into full self driving. And if you if you saw the news last week, um, this was very underreported on Twitter, in my opinion. Um, The fact that uh, the California Senate, the state Senate, um, uh, said that um, labeling full self-driving for what it is, is illegal. And so, I mean, it's it's sort of game over for for, for full self-driving. And then just, you know, just to make a note, um, regardless of what they call that that option, which they charge a lot of money for, um, it is it is the weakest on the market. Compared to Waymo, compared to yeah, Cruise, yeah.
0: Some order. How much money? How much does Tesla get for that? How much money they've taken in? If that was, if NHTSA rules the wrong way, could they be forced to cough up uh, a lot of that money and have to refund it?
2: Oh yeah, I mean, the, I mean, there, are class action lawsuits already. But I mean, so I've added it up um, on. So they, they give you, they, their penetration um, numbers. Um, by the way. The, the one of the best accounts I follow on on Twitter, um, and he, and he's 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 a fanboy, but um, Troy Teslike, and I actually pay him on his Patreon um, because he's got such great data. But anyway, he's got the uh, take rate on on uh, full self driving and autopilot. Uh, so autopilot is what it used to be called. Now they call it full se- full self driving. And now, you know, the California Senate says that they can't call it that. If you take all of that and you add it up and you take the price points because they raise it from like five thousand to fifteen thousand dollars. But the point is, uh, if you add all that up on the take rates and it's mostly in the U.S. because they can't they they actually cannot sell full full self driving in in Europe. Um, So it's mostly North America. Uh, and the take rate has gone from a peak of like, uh, I think it's 49% down to now uh, 7% globally. And that's and that's like all America. Um, it, it, it adds up to about $3.5 billion just in in sales. So if they had to write off those sales because, you know, they got ruled against by the NHTSA, um, you're looking at a $3.5 billion write off to got their right. equity. Okay. One other
0: question. Then I want to go to Arjun. Um, What? um, It's been noted. We talked about in the room the other day uh, that the uh, secondhand values, uh, Tesla used car prices, are declining at a particularly uh, noteworthy uh, pace. Um, Talk about why you think that's happening and what does that mean? I, you know, it's 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 really hard.
2: uh, So. You know, like I told you, I I I spoke to to you know the, some of the biggest automakers in the world in the in the past um, seven days, and um, it's it, it's hard to understand. I mean, the, the 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 ice vehicles are flying off the shelves. I mean, the, and and they're and they're raising prices, but for some reason Tesla is 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 lowering prices. And my gut feeling is is that you know that the Model Three and the Model Y. And, it's, and we've already seen it with the Model S and X. They're, I mean, th- these guys are dealing with four models. And 95% are the Model 3 and the Model Y. And those models have become old in the tooth. And I, I think, my gut feeling is that um, it, the, the market has been saturated for, the,
0: for those kind of cars. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you look at those things. They were kind of cool when they came out. But they're really pretty tired and sorry looking if you ask me. Um, that's terrific Motorhead. All right, let's go to uh, let's go to Arjun and then we're going to do Globro and then average. Joe. Hey, Arjun. Good to see you. What's up, man?
5: Hey, George. Thanks for having me in Motorhead. Uh, appreciate your being here as well. Uh, George, I, I think it's has been discussed. I'm sure you'll let me know. But I think part of Tesla's valuation um, was explained by the idea that by some year, 2035 or 2050, depending on the country and by 2050, the world, based on climate policies, we would somehow be 100% electric vehicles. So even if there's more competition, et cetera, Tesla would still have some decent share of that. I think, you know, George, you'll notice this when we go back to past bubbles, whether it was Enron, whether it was WorldCom, the company that defined the new paradigm that had the massive valuation during that period forced the competitors to adopt some portion or all of the strategy. I think we've seen that with Ford and GM and some of these legacy guys, maybe with the Notable exception of Toyota. I I think a couple questions. If Tesla's valuation continues to deflate, Motorhead, I'm I'm an energy guy as George knows not an auto's guy. Do we think Ford, Jim and the other guys will back off some of the sort of EV or bust kind of strategy? Uh, To my personal view is if you look at this like a growth investor, what is the total addressable market for Tesla? There's a big difference between having 100% electric vehicle share of auto sales in 2050 and maybe it only being 10 or 20 or 25%, or whatever year you want to pick, 2030, 2040, 2050. Again, this idea of moving to EVs has coincided with free money and these climate policies. And as both those things go away, most notably the free money, but also this idea that somehow EVs are climate-friendly, they, they may be, they may not be. I don't think they're they're the sole answer. How, how, do, we, how do we think about what the adjustable market is for both Tesla? It, it, you know, and then do we think the peer companies back off on this sort of EV or bus kind of strategy that it looks like some of them have also adopted?
0: Thank so, you. Yeah. Uh, so, so, Mortar, go ahead. I, I have a, go ahead, Motor. I, I got
2: a shot. Okay, so, so, quick, quick answer is that um, I think Toyota is the smartest. Uh, I think they're sh- the, they they're the sharpest knives in the drawer. Um, they've put their hands into fuel cells, um, hydrogen and they've put their hands into hybrids, electric vehicles, and i and they're they're keeping their foot in the in the waters with ice ice vehicles, okay? And and the the reason why is that um they so Toyota's um chairman came out, you know, you know, he's he's the son of the the grandfather. He came out and says like if if we were to to all plug our cars into our houses tonight, the the electric the electric grid would like break down. And it's true. It's true. And believe me. Japan's electric grid is way better than than the electric grids that you guys like have in in, in the places you're living, because, you know, people underspend in the U.S. for infrastructure and whatnot. So the point is that I think the dust will settle on hybrids, um, plug in hybrids somewhere around the road. And, and, and the reason why is simply because there's not enough lithium. And by 2025, 2026, you're going to, and everybody knows this, it's just not, it's not, it's not in the news as much, but um, lithium will become, will become completely scarce unless you already reserved orders. I, re- I, I, I talked to Honda today, I'm sorry, yesterday, they, they actually locked in a long-term deal for, for, for um, lithium. And so they're 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 all set to make, you know, five hundred thousand EVs in twenty twenty six. But the thing is that that coincides with a time where lithium supplies will go will will will, will go into a deficit. So when that happens, um, what I'm predicting, and I, I I I don't know how anybody could argue with this is is that EVs become like Ferraris. They're they're
0: only for the rich. Another point, Origin, another angle that Jim Chano's um, uh, very you know uh, astute investor, um, usually the smartest guy in there, he makes an excellent point. And that is, um, if you look at uh, Tesla's uh, sales uh, and the average selling price, um, I think globally, and Motorhead, you'll jump in here because I know you know the numbers and you heard Jim recite it. I think globally, the entire luxury car market is only – I think 4 million units, a number like that, and um, defined as over $45,000. And Tesla already has unit sales this year of 1.3 million. And so there's a limited, you know, the luxury car market is limited in size. And so if you start thinking about these, this idea that their units are going 50% a year, you know, for the next few years, they're already 30% market share in the luxury car market. And then furthermore, Motorhead could put numbers on this, but Motorhead throw give me the numbers again. Like a fifty thousand dollar car, um you know, over there is really like a, a two hundred it's all about China's like a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar car here given the difference of per capita income. So, you know, th- there's a limit to how far they can push this. And, and No, I mean
2: the, the the biggest statistic that that needs to be you know, piped out, you know, if you if you're short Tesla. Uh, or if you're long, Tesla, the the big statistic you should be looking at is that the uh, Model Y capacity, which they built two factories for in Germany and, and Texas, and they actually expanded Model Y capacity in China by 30 percent in August. And you add all that up, and it, it comes to one point five million units. Now, the 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 luxury SUV segment is. Um, meaning prices between 60 and 80 thousand dollars which is what the model y is priced at um was about 2.4 million units so so tesla has model y capacity that equates to 60 percent of 2021's luxury suv segment now if that market doubles they still have 30 percent capacity aimed at that market and everybody's got a target on tesla's model y and it, 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 I mean, you've got more luxury, uh, uh, they call them CUVs, um, compact utility vehicles. You've got more CUVs coming out next year than you've ever seen ever before. And it will become the worst performing profit segment in, in the car market.
5: So I agree with all your points, especially on the power markets, critical minerals. One, one quick follow up. So, if you look at the mandates for California by twenty thirty five, I think New York State, various European countries of a hundred percent by various years. Do you think those mandates go away? They get ignored. Different governments change the mandates. Those mandates are out there, just not real. Uh, they're not real, and they're they're going to go away.
0: Thank you so much, Arjun. Great questions. I wouldn't expect anything less from you. All right, we got a great stage here, and we got a backlog of people that want to get up here. So if you're not going to ask another question i ask you to voluntarily step down Uh, i want to do uh, globro average joe and then uh marion globro good to see you what's up man please unmute yourself
6: doing well george thank you as always for these spaces brad um great great to hear your analysis been following you for a couple of years now i just have uh, one quick comment um long story short my parents are currently in the market for a new vehicle in canada and that uh, we were talking about the market price adjustment that the dealerships are putting on. That is still the case. It's about 50-50 right now. It's rare to see a dealer listing a car for under MSRP. So I imagine um, Tesla will get hit hard because they were pocketing all of that. Uh, My question, I guess, Brad or George, if you guys can speak to it, is how do, and I think it's been touched on before, how they spread out their costs, but how do we have cogs dropping As a result of two new factories being opened up, if they're producing more units, wouldn't they adjust the cost of the two new giga whatevers into the cogs?
2: Actually, um, uh, the the cogs per unit are not they're not dropping and they shouldn't be. I mean, when when you when you build, you know, when you build a factory, uh, forget about two new factories in the most expensive places in the world. Um, you you have massive um, startup costs um, and you've got massive fixed costs that need to be depreciated. Now, Tesla has not shown those costs yet because they go uh, instead of straight line or declining depreciation, they go on a unit volume basis of depreciation, which is the most lax accounting I've ever seen in my life. And so. I was, I was expecting to see cogs per unit you know, going up big time, and it didn't. But um, uh, despite the lax accounting, just to, to, to answer your question very quickly, um, the more they ramp up their Austin and, and uh, Grunheide factories, you're going to see cogs per unit increase. So th- this is the point. They have not declined this year. First quarter, they were flat. Second quarter, because of the Shanghai lockdown, they were up like 6%. Last quarter, Q3, they were up like um, 1.5% or something like that. But COGS per unit have not declined.
6: Gotcha. Thank you for clarifying. And just, yeah, last point before I turn over the mic to someone else. I think all of us in this room understand that Tesla is just a piggy bank for Elno to finance uh, the rest of his fever dreams. But I'm sure someone else will be able to put it more eloquently.
2: I think George, you, you're better at this than me. <laughs>
0: yeah, one, 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 one question I wonder, um, you know, I, like you, Motorhead, I've never seen a company with such aggressive accounting, auto company, with such aggressive accounting, and gets away with it. And you, you take that, you said the, you know, funding secured, the 420 thing. His quote where he said, "I don't respect the SEC," and he tweets and yada yada yada. I mean. It's sort of like he's living with under a completely different set of rules. And he gets away with it. And it just makes me wonder. I was having this discussion with somebody today. And they're like, no, he's protected. I mean, think about it. I mean, he is working for the U.S. I mean, he puts rockets up in the air. He's working for the freaking U.S. government. I mean, he gets away with so much stuff. It really starts to make me wonder, like, is it just sheer incompetence and, 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 and benign neglect? Or is there something bigger going on here where he just gets to pull stunts that you and I would never dream of? So I don't know. That's just sheer trash talking on my part. Um, Okay. Who's up next? Uh, Is it average Joe? Is
4: it uh, average Joe? And then Marion average Joe. Good to see you. What's up, man. Hey brother. Hey, thanks. Hey, motorhead. You, it seems like you live my life. Uh, My family's been in the auto industry since the sixties. You talk about every five years going through, we can't afford this and guess what, you know, I might be getting laid off for the last, you know, 40 plus years, 50 years. And I've been in the industry for 29 and a half years. I've always been puzzled. I mean, Tesla did a, a amazing thing. You know, they built the first electric car that Americans could, you know, use. And, uh, you know, we, you know, we didn't move fast enough in the big three. You know, basically, we're waiting for the government to push us into that industry. And uh, I've always wondered—you know—they've did computer animated engineering for most of their engineering, and it's catching up to them. The big three and Toyota, we still don't rely on that computer animated engineering for durability testing and for impact testing. Some of the most critical things that you have said, and that's when it's going to be warranty cost. And do you I, I would like to ask you how much have they increased their engineering costs to, to change their product I mean I mean it, it takes you know millions of dollars I mean yes they have only four different types of products but you know it, it you know it, it's it, it costs a big three I mean billions of dollars to build that cost in from wind tunnel testing to um you know, just having the, the hardware and, and, and license to do this kind of testing and, um, you know, and having our proven grounds as well. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you're bringing that up about the, because, you know, we've always um, been very um, outspoken about, you know, real life cycle testing and in, in the big three and, you know, you know, consumers don't know about that as well. Um I think the big three and, and, and others that have been in industry for the last 50 years are positioned better than Tesla to overcome a recession at this time. And I, I say uh, Tesla has never been in a recession. But I say that, you know, we, we have hybrids coming out, like you have stated, that and we have diesel and we have um, gas engines, uh, combustion engines to take us through this, work, consumers will still, and if they they change the laws, you know, to 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 two thousand thirty, whatever for for implementing the electric vehicles, you know, we will have our, you know, as far as the consumer that's loyal to our brands, we have that built in, and I think you know most of us uh, can agree that Americans will buy American products, and um, and and also the you know the companies that need those products. Right. right.
0: So, 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 so Joe, let me ask you: Is there a question you'd like to put to motorhead
4: yes i just want to say you know um what is it going to take for toyota to survive basically i mean or i'm sorry not toyota but uh tesla to survive and, and gets the the big three
2: well um uh y- you've got a very good question um the, uh, and and my theory is simply just looking at the lithium supply I took Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan and um, Morgan Stanley. They put out like a huge, huge thing about EV supply chain materials and th- things like that. And I'll, I'll, I'll post this um, later on tonight. But um, but the, the thing is that uh, we're running out of lithium. There's not. A- and what's going to happen is that, um, like I said, you know, previously, is that. Um, lithium will go up so much that the price of an EV will become like a Ferrari. So people who who drive EVs will be like you know looked at like wow you've got a you're really rich you know because you can afford an EV. So I don't I don't I don't think that EVs will make it. I think I think actually mining lithium and and mining everything when you build battery cells for for an EV you emit more carbons than than you do when you ma- when you're making a you know gasoline engine vehicle So it's like um, and I, I don't think any anybody's, anybody's done the the, the the work yet they've done the work on a Honda Civic versus a model 3 and they came out with the statistic that you have to drive the model three I think it's something like 50 to 70,000 miles before it breaks even on a carbon basis. From from well to wheel, meaning from from mining all the materials and getting all the materials for the car. So what 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 I what I my theory is that um, that Toyota Motors is actually the smartest you know car maker out there. They're saying you know we're not going to jump on the on, on the bandwagon. Volkswagen is a piece of shit. I mean they've got horrible governance. They've they've you know completely scammed the the entire world with their diesel shit. And 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 now they they oh okay we're going to jump on EVs you know so so Volkswagen I would short Volkswagen along with Tesla because they've jumped on the on the whole EV bandwagon and I don't think EVs will be the ultimate solution I think it's going to come down to plug-in hybrids because the average American drives fourteen thousand miles a year and um, the average plug-in hybrid. Um, you know, can get you around town about, you know, 50 miles a day. Um, and and so most of the people I know who drive, drive plug-in hybrids, they, they go to the gas station every six to eight weeks. So, I mean, it's like, you know, why not move to plug-in hybrids? This, this
0: uh-huh. whole shit is bullshit. That's a great point. A great point, Joe. Uh, Joe. Great answer, Morty. I want to move ahead because we got a lot of good people that want to get up on stage. I want to go to uh, Marion, uh, who has, uh, I think, some interesting observations about what's going on in Europe with electricity prices. So, Marion, please unmute yourself. And then we're going to do Montana. And then we're going to do uh, Howard. So, uh, Marion, the floor is yours. Please unmute yourself.
7: Hi, George. Thank you. Uh, first of all, great space. Yeah, I just have a thought about uh, I live in the UK and uh, my electricity bill is up 3X which is not that bad compared to other european countries so i know that when people when the diesel cost goes up compared to petrol people sell diesel and buy petrol cars but when you have 3x increase and that's thanks to government intervention does does anyone know how is that going to impact the demand for electric cars in general not just for tesla thank you
0: Motorhead, do you want to have a go at that? I mean, obviously, I mean, uh, you know, one of the, I know it's, it's one, one of the tricks that Tesla plays is when they try to convince you how much cheaper it is to drive an electric car. They show you the, I remember it was a few years ago they would show you life of the car, cost of savings on having to buy gasoline, um, plug in electricity price instead. But now, as Marion's point out, electricity prices skyrocketed. Skyrocketed. Doesn't it turn that mathematics on its head, Motorhead? Yeah, no, I mean, um, uh, by,
2: by the way, I mean, uh, you're lucky if you're in the UK. I had a guy from Germany DM me and said um, that um, to to charge his Tesla is going up 70% from January. So it's cheaper to to, to, to plug, you know, to, to get a nice vehicle. So that's the answer to your question.
0: What could possibly go wrong? Hey, good question, Marion. Appreciate it. All right, let's go to Montana and then Howard. Montana, please unmute yourself. Hi, George. Thanks for having me on. Um, this is just anecdotal, but
6: um, you know, I've spoken to five different people in the last two weeks who are looking to get rid of their Teslas. And my question is for Motorhead. Um, can you envision a scenario where sales actually decline next year?
2: No, I, I, I don't. I, uh, OK, so, I mean, these guys are all about the, the stock price, right? So um, what drives the stock price, what has driven the stock price up to now is deliveries and deliveries have nonstop grown by, you know, 30 to 50 percent year on year. And um, so I don't I don't expect deliveries to, to decline next year, but I expect pricing to come down big time i mean at least 15%. mind you since the pandemic started and we had the chip shortage and all that stuff which which led to uh, a decline in new vehicle inventory you you've got you've got tesla's prices going up by 27% and because they don't because they have a direct sales method and they don't have dealerships that that all went into their pocket 100% and so I don't expect deliveries to decline. And even Musk said this. I mean, Musk said this last week on a, on a Twitter space. I couldn't believe it. He said that
3: 2023
2: is, it could be a 2009-type recession. And, I mean, I don't know how many of you guys were around in 2009, but I was working in a hedge fund, and it was, like, it was, it was, it was, I mean, it was seriously bad shit. And, um... The point is that if you have a recession um, and people say, oh, well, you know, Tesla has, you know, high gross margins, so, you know, they can lower prices. Well, listen to this. In 2009, 2010, BMW, Mercedes-Benz and and uh, Lexus combined saw their sales unit volumes decline by 30 percent. Okay, so. Um, yes, they could. They could see volumes decline. They should see volumes decline. I mean, nothing goes up in straight line. But the thing is, what Musk said on a a Twitter space last week was that they would lower prices so that they could grow volumes. And he said that we could be in a situation where we have lower margins to negative margins. And and I, I don't know why this was not bigger news last week.
0: Yeah, I, I, I was on that space and my, my hair caught on fire when I heard that. And I'd like to point out something else uh, to the questioner. And that is, um, you know, this model of selling dollar bills for 80 cents and uh, raising capital from the markets to plug the hole and pursuit of growth at any price and being rewarded by the market because they're just paying for top-line growth. In a world of, 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 of free money, where you can plug up your, op- you can, you can, you can patch the hole. You can, you can, can, plug the hole of losses with free capital. That works. But we're Dorothy. We're not in Kansas anymore. And I, the market you're starting to see this. The market is not paying for that anymore. Growth at any price as an objective um, is well past its, it, 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 it is beyond its past due date. And so, you know whether whether it's that or it's stock based compensation, all this kind of stuff. I mean, companies, you know, respond. Company management's, you know, follow the market. It's like you know Charlie Munger would always say, you know, you show me, you show me the incentives, I'll I'll show you the outcome. And so, even if they pursue this, and I'm willing to bet, as as as, as Murray was pointing out, Musk probably still thinks he can run the same playbook. I will tell you, I think there's a very strong chance. You're starting to see it. The market will not pay for it. The market will not pay for it. This growth at any price was a complete aberration, born out of the most irresponsible monetary regime in recorded history. And so, it is game over for that. And companies, and just as a general problems, are getting away from Tesla. You got to focus on companies that have good balance sheets, strong cash flows, that, that do not uh, depend on external financing. Kathy, would please call your office. So I, I think that's just that's just wildly off the mark. So it's a great question and a great answer from Motorhead. Um, I'd like to go over to Howard. Howard, good to see you. You're from God knows where. What's going on, my friend?
8: Where are you? Th- thank you, George. Uh, in Tonga, where your space two days ago, as you were uh, going through this day in history, actually shook the world over here. You were talking about Banda Aceh. Uh, and the tragedy there in 2004. And we literally had an earthquake. While I, while you were doing that, the building started shaking, uh, 5.5 offshore. So thanks for not shaking the world today. But uh, Brad, um, great to hear you do these two spaces, this one and on, on Saturday. And I have a, a, just a quick question about uh, oil in the Teslas. Um, and it loops back to the Embodied energy um, quotient that you were talking about a while ago, and uh, Arjun's question about climate neutrality um, uh, and so forth. Um, but uh, Dr. Anas Alhaji has mentioned that uh, it takes about 60 barrels of oil to make the plastics in a Tesla. And I'm wondering if we have an all in figure on how much oil it takes to make uh, any one of the four models or, or the average. Uh, model because it seems like it's a that that's a wildly variable input much like lithium but in the case of oil obviously it it will go up and down where lithium seems like it's just going straight up and I haven't seen a figure on uh, total car and what it what it really takes in terms of oil to build them.
0: Yeah, how, Howard, let me let
8: me, motor, let me jump in on that
0: one. So, is Howard? I haven't seen that either, but I think the really. <clears throat> the the, the figure that really impresses me, Motorhead recited it a few minutes ago, and that is, if you do a full carbon audit of an electric vehicle, and correct me on this, Motorhead, I I think it's like um, 60,000 miles is kind of like the break-even. So the the carbon savings is just just marginal. Obviously, the cost of the uh, oil to make the plastic is one component of that, but on a holistic basis... It's not even clear that we're doing anything to, you know, reduce carbon footprint. I mean, Motorhead, do you want to elaborate on that? Maybe you've seen the figure.
2: Yeah, I. Uh, so, I mean, um, it was. It's funny. I was like, uh, so Toyota's like in, in the doghouse this year, and I just, I, I just talked to them on Monday, and um, and I said, uh, you know, so, so the the big thing with Toyota this year is that they're they're basically taking the the the. Um, they're taking the hit for for commodity prices on behalf of the suppliers, okay? And so I said, "Can you break that down for me?" And so they're taking like a hundred and twenty six billion dollar hit. That's that's massive, you know, for 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 a car maker. And um and so they said, um yeah, it's it, you know, well it's mainly steel, and then the, there's aluminum, and there's and there there's rare earths, and they said rare earths has rare earth materials have come down a lot. So we're, we're okay on that front. Um, but they said that steel is still really high. And um, so is aluminum, but they said that, um, uh, and they're the only car maker that said this, but they said that resin products, which, which goes into what you're saying is, is, is the, uh, the components of a car that are, are linked to oil are still very high right now. So, so, there, uh, So a car maker like Toyota is still seeing, you know, a portion of the $125 billion, $126 billion headwind from commodity costs coming from resins.
0: That's just a huge, that's just a huge number. Um, Howard, do you have a follow up on that, Howard?
8: Yeah, real quick. Um, yeah, I've seen the, the 50 to 70,000 mile figure and it. It, uh, so it takes several years in North America to, to offset that. Um, we have seen, you know, I don't know what the average is now, but cars are going a good couple hundred thousand miles now. I don't know about these uh, electrics with having to uh, replace battery packs and so forth. But uh, we might be doing some good, but it seems like it takes uh, an average driver three, four, five years to reach that threshold.
2: God, sorry, I I, I just want to say this uh, to everybody. And, and I'm sorry, sorry, George, to jump in here with you uh, without you moderating it first. But I think the Biden IRA um, EV subsidy program is is the stupidest program in the world. It's it, it's it's exclusionary. I mean, look, Tesla has been able to sell all their EVs in Europe without any any kind of like tariffs. Right. But this Biden bill for for EVs in America is so exclusionary that that I mean you've got every single company I mean sorry every single country in the G7 lining up saying this is bullshit. I mean you have to 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 make any to to get the subsidies of $7500 in in America you you have to source basically you know 50% of the materials in America and that's impossible because you can't get some of the materials in America because the mines don't exist for lithium and et cetera. So anyway, I, I just think this IRA thing by Biden is, is like the most ridiculous clown ass hat, you know, show in the world.
0: All right. So I just want to reset the room here for one second. Um, we've got motorhead here who is my God, such a wealth of information. When he talk when about getting down and dirty with the numbers, I don't think there's anyone better than motorhead at, at dissecting Tesla and, Motorhead, how long have you been following the auto industry now? How many, how many decades? Uh, I'm embarrassed, but it's like
2: 27 years now. H- how long
0: have you been over in Japan?
2: Uh 27
0: years. Okay, so there you go. And, and, and one of the cool things I know, I remember from years past, in, 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 in Motorhead, maybe you just weigh in on this. Like a lot of times with the Japanese companies, will tell you you get a you get like some pretty interesting information sometimes, different perspective. They'll tell you things that American companies won't tell you. do so you find it refreshing? to to be able to speak to the japanese companies yeah. so uh, the the great thing about japanese car first
2: of all the thing i love about japanese um companies and i mean i didn't only i i i didn't only cover automakers um but um i have covered that sector longer than the other sectors but the point is you don't get people coming out in japan and pumping themselves the way they do in the states right so it's like you listen to a gm you know earnings call and they're you know they're they're compared to tesla they're they're quite reserved but they still pump but the japanese companies um they'll come out and they'll tell you things are not good things are not good right now and and i mean i so this is what i what i love about japan is like you know they they don't pump and they'll come out and they'll tell you they'll they'll say that you know things are really bad right now and when things are really good They'll say, "Well, it's 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 not, you know, because we were good. It's because the market's good and stuff like that." So, yeah, it's very refreshing to to um, talk to Japanese car makers because they'll they'll tell you what's good and they'll tell you what's bad.
0: That's terrific, and so and just I, I have to just as I as has become i resume resumed the custom recently. Remind everyone that. You know, these are just unbelievable spaces. I got the quality of speakers like Motorhead in here. We had uh in a few weeks ago talking about energy. I mean, it's just room after room after room, and it's just unbelievable. And so, um, if you find these rooms valuable and useful in your investments, um, you know, uh, as, as you're aware, I've been stumping for World Central Kitchen. Um, you know, we do these for free. We just try to share information, help each other. And there are people out there who are in a world of hurt who uh, really could use our help. These are first world problems we're dealing with, trying to preserve and increase our net worth. So I'd ask everyone, especially as we're coming down to the end of the year here, we we were incredibly successful earlier in the year. We raised, I think, $220,000 the first few months of the year. We gave it a rest for a few months. We started two weeks ago again, and I think we were through $250,000 last I looked. I'd like to really get us to $300,000 before the end of the year. It's not really a big ask when you think about, you know, how much money we're all investing. And you know, everyone, everyone gives according to their means. And the, the $10 gifts mean as much to me as the $10,000 gifts. And so, you know, I, I really – someone like Motorhead or Arjun or any of those that we had, I mean, these people, you know, <laughs> these, are, these are heavy hitters and, 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 and command high, high amounts for – large amounts for their services. And they do it for free because they, they like to teach and they want to share – I think they enjoy it. And so I'd ask you to please, please, please pay it forward and give to World Central Kitchen. I will uh, put the link up in the nest. We have our own page. And as I said, we're through 250,000 on our way to 300. Nobody else on Twitter has done this. And I'm really proud of you guys. And I'm asking you to please dig down and, 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 and share the generosity, share the love with the folks at World Central Kitchen and what's going on in the Ukraine. They really, really could use our help. Okay, with that, let's move on. Um, by the way, we've been going at this for an hour and 45 minutes. Uh, I'm going to say, provisionally I want to close this room at 10.30 Eastern, so 42 minutes from now because i got to have a life. Um, so I'm going to ask each of the speakers or anyone who comes up on stage to try to keep the questions tight. Um, so we're going to go to Ben and then uh, Michael. Ben, please unmute yourself.
9: Hey, George. Um, I, I – I, uh... I interact a decent amount with Motorhead. I don't have a question, but I I have a a statement more or less that I I feel just wasn't brought up tonight and is not brought up nearly enough, which is the idea of key man risk. Um, Just kind of if, if let's say that Elon Musk gets hit by a bus or a runaway Tesla or overdoses tonight, um, what does Tesla stock trade at tomorrow? And in my humble opinion this is something that is not not <laughs> analyzed or thought about nearly enough by anyone who's holding this stock uh it's obviously a cult stock it's propped up on the, the cult of personality of elon musk electric jesus um so again ask yourself that question if if elon musk does not wake up tomorrow what does the stock trade at and i would I would wager that it's it's a far far outsized key man risk compared to anything else in the tech sector, a cyclicals, whatever have you.
0: Butthead, you want to have a go with that because I have an opinion.
2: I've got an opinion. Um, the, the fanboys would cry. I think the stock would rally if you get if you get somebody like um, I, I saw a Nissan go bankrupt. And then Carlos Ghosn from Renault came in and turned the entire company around. You get a high flying CEO like that turning around Tesla, the stock could actually rally. Um, and I think people have had enough shit with, with Elon, you know, um, praising, you know, Russian oligarchs and stuff like that. It's like, uh, I, I think the stock might rally actually. I mean, I, I agree it, w- it would go down for one day, but I think um, getting rid of that ass hat. You know, it would be a plus for the stock. So
0: my answer is a little bit different. It's a multiple time frame answer. I totally respect and sympathize with Motorhead's view that it might rally. I think looking beyond that, though, I think it will collapse. The reason I say that is most stocks, you have a company to sell a product. And the stock price is a function of the revenues and profits generated from selling that product tesla it's completely bass backwards tesla the product is the stock and you want to talk about price discovery and value will out i think the fundamental value the 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 true earnings power of the company is so small relative to the current market cap of the company and the bubble-like valuation multiple of earnings or revenues is a function of elon musk that whereas the company may do better operationally, I think valuation wise, I think it would collapse. So I don't know. That's just my two cents. Ben, you have a follow up?
9: Yeah, I was I was honestly kind of stunned by Motorhead's uh, reply to that. Uh, maybe there's some some sort of embedded bias there, uh, which is totally fair. You know, Motorhead and I, I'm sure we have a lot of battle scars from trying to short this fucking thing forever, um, but. yeah you get me um i just it's so the thing is too is that is if if elon is gone then i would expect basically an announcement of financial restatements within a within a quarter uh because if you look at and this is something i've i mean this isn't even new but i I bring it up to a lot of people uh chanos mckenna people way smarter than me have brought this up before um their net income on their cash balance just doesn't tie out it doesn't they don't they don't earn shit on their alleged giant cash pile and that is something that also should alarm you uh whether it's you know because they can't repatriate cash from china or whatever it is uh they're not earning anything on their their cash balance versus versus peers and again I'm i'm not the first person to bring this up uh we noticed it back around 2018 but it's it's a real issue. So if if Elon is gone, and you you lose the Steve Jobs of your of your company, um, the 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 next thing that would happen, in my opinion, is basically people are going to flee, and you're going to see massive like okay, we're we're going to have to restate a lot of financials. Uh, you know, one of my favorite Tesla stories that a lot of people aren't aware of is they had a CEO CA, a come on from from Seagate uh, a few years back. He was there at that company. On paper, he was there for about three months, Uh, but an unpublished story that just didn't make it to press because they couldn't get a double source on it was that he was shopping a CAO that they had just hired, a chief accounting officer, was shopping his resume after being at this company for two weeks.
0: Well, Ben, this was all in service to the point I made, the product is a stock. And so when I talk about value out, like if you properly, as you know, part of that is just getting to the bottom, like what do they really make? I mean, friends. one of the things I like to point out, you look at, um, How they define cash flow? How they define earnings? Look at the cash conversion. I mean, it's clear they're playing games. And so, no, hundred percent agree, Ben. Ben's excellent point. Thank you for that. Again, I don't want to be uh, abrupt, but I do want to move quickly through the room because I do want to close this room at ten thirty. So, let's go to Michael and then Ryan. Michael, hello, my friend. What's up, Michael? Please unmute yourself.
3: I love this. I love this space, George. Thank you so much for this. Uh, it's just unbelievable information, flow. And um, I think that uh, I hate to say this, and people are gonna—I'm gonna wear my flame-retardant suit here. But I think we've got a bearish echo chamber tonight with this stock. Um, do I think that Tesla's going to thirty or zero or Arc is going? probably to go to zero. But you got an RSI of 16. You've got guys on the internet saying that, uh, and respectable guys with huge following saying it's almost as if uh, a short Tesla is a guaranteed money, money printer. And you've got Musk who's probably has his gamma squeeze mafiosa admitting he's a clown. It suggests that there's going to be a tremendous bounce here, and I think it. I, I just, I think you got to be very careful here, and that's all.
0: Yeah. So, Michael, I agree with a lot of your points, um, and, and, and trust me. I mean, you know, everyone can see what I'm doing in uh, the No nope PTF. It's I love No. Nope. My second big, It's awesome. I, you know, it's, it, it's my second biggest position. So I wonder about it every day but the way I kind of look at it, I'm a reminder of the great line from Walter Deemer It's not when everyone turns bearish that's important. It's when they're done selling. Right. And I, I think, I think, and I don't know if this is right or not, but, I mean, Motor maybe you have a perspective on this, or maybe, Michael, you do, but there was this article floating around. I can't believe this article. It just seems crazy. I can't believe it. It says something like the average retail investor had like 10 or 11% of his portfolio on Tesla. Now, whether yeah. that's exactly right or not, I don't, that's not important. Okay. What's important is if you look like it, you know, like look at Fidelity's website, discount brokerage or whatever. I mean, Tesla continues to be one of the most widely held, widely, widely traded stocks. Right. The public is still in love with this thing we are just in the awakening phase. I mentioned earlier about Soros you know, varying perception and trying to figure out, when the market is going to ascertain that it's been had, I think we're there right now. But again, it's not when people turn bearish; it's important. When it's sell. when they're done selling, and I think they've just they're just waking up. And, and, mm-hmm. and so, right here, right now, you know, it's a momentum stock. So all the momentum idiots are piling out. Um, you also you've got tax law selling. You got and my, my my general bearish narrative in the market the last few weeks has been that if the market were to give it up. No one's going to stand up and take risk here to defend XYZ piece of garbage right now. And Tesla falls under that category. So I listen, both can be true. I get, I get, I torture myself with exactly what you, Michael. Think about this for a second, right? On the one hand, I channel my inner Michael, right? And I'm like, oh, okay, I should cover this thing. The other side of me is like, dude, mm. this is exactly what you've been waiting for. The jig is up. The thing's gone ex growth, you know, blah 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 blah, and now you're gonna cover the goddamn thing because because like Motorhead mm-hmm. or Ben, we've we've got tire tracks all over us, having shorted this thing for the last umpteen years. Mm-hmm. No, now's the time you should be attacking, and so on even mm-hmm. numbered days I think the former, and odd number of days I think the latter, and and with respect, my friend, I I've you know, got all the time in the world for you. I would humbly suggest, yeah, this may be an echo chamber, but it's a very small echo chamber. This is not representative of the market writ large. And so what you say is true, it's the old, I can't it was Einstein who said it, but the ability to hold two conflicting viewpoints in your head at the same time and not have your head explode, okay, they both can be true. Mm-hmm. And listen, I I'm terrified of what you say, but the flip side of it is, I had that. I, listen, I get in violent arguments with myself. You have no idea. All right. I had that argument with myself a week ago when it was 170. Right. Now 109. Listen, what kind of a schmuck? Listen, what's worse? It's now you finally got your wildest wet dream coming true on this thing, right? And you bail. Okay. And you yeah. bail. How would you like to have bailed yeah. at 170 and then in the blink so of an true. eye, it's 109? So, like, on the view that, that you can, that you're going to make a mistake. And which one can you forgive yourself? Like, it's pay dirt time. Like, I'm willing to go to distance with this sucker as opposed to, I mean, after all this struggle, if I cover the whole thing at 170 and it's 109, I think I, I, I'd be jumping off the top of a building. So no, I hear Zero I hear, fundamentals on it. Yeah, you, you, you see, know, at the end, you know, and people come after me it's like, oh, you know, who is this guy? You know what you own? Peter Lynch, you know, he's a fraud. No, I know exactly what I own. Or in this case, I know exactly what I don't own. I know exactly what I haven't what I've sold short. The problem is, it's the people that own Tesla. They don't know what they own. Listen, listen, this, this room tonight has been a masterclass in Tesla nerd dome, courtesy of motorhead. There has never, ever, 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 ever been a room like this on Tesla. You get all these fanboys. Oh, Elon says this. And you know, the RSI is that, and it's cool. And it's green. And it's this, and it's that. It's all bullshit. It's all smoke and mirrors. You know, I was brought up at Fidelity, taught to do fundamental work, blocking and tackling. Okay, I give you Motorhead. Okay, those bozos, I won't use a stronger term, like, you know, what's his name? Ross Gerber, you know, or Kathy (laughs) Wood or Gary Black. They do no fundamental work. That jackass, and I'm going to call him a jackass, value analyst, if anyone knows him, get him in here right now. That prick, he runs those rooms trying to lead Lemmy's off the cliff every other day. Why Tesla's going to triple this year? Okay, I went into a room a month ago, and in a very nice, quiet way, in Columbo-like fashion. I started asking leading questions, and it was clear that he didn't know what the fuck he was talking about. Well, we're going to have to do a We're going to have to take that swear. We're out of here. I try not to swear. And I said, "How do you get to this?" And, and, and Motorhead, let me know when you're going to stop laughing. The guy had the gross margins of the company going from twenty-seven percent to forty-five percent in two years because the whole thing's the whole self-driving thing is gonna gonna I suppose gonna work. I mean, these people, they're charlatans, they're quacks. It's not that I disagree with them. I don't respect them. They are full <coughs> of sh- there's no there, there's no way they they, they they would ever get a job at any respectable firm. And this is the state of FinTwit. And when you get a guy in here like Motorhead, who knows the stuff, basket swaying, game delaying, offensive fouling, crash on them, dunk on them. It's not that I disagree with them. I don't respect them. They're frauds. That value analyst guy is a fraud. Kathy Wood is a fraud. Fraud. Ross Gerber is a fraud. These are cheerleaders. These are not analysts. And I rest. Hope that answers your question. Ryan, the floor is over to you.
10: Ryan, the floor is yours. Thanks, George fantastic room again i got a question for motormouth and i uh, i am way outside of my here so bear with me but uh there is a nickel mine that's being contested in northern it's supposed to go into production hey, hey, hey
0: ryan 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 you, you you sound like a smart guy you probably know your shit, but i don't is this really like relevant or is this like sort of rabbit hole minutia stuff because no, it's no, no, so I,
10: it's it's kind of a read because they're supposedly tesla is committed to purchase 165 million pounds of nickel from them so i'd love to get mo- motorheads read on what you know can you read into that what does that say that a mine that's supposed to start producing in 2026 is committing 165 million pounds of nickel two times
2: um. Uh. You know. I, I. Most car makers do not. Um. Disclose how much materials they've they've locked into. So I have no idea. All right.
0: Hey Ryan. You know what? I suggest you take that question up offline with Motorhead because. Uh, I, I think it kind of kind of runs a little bit wide of what we want to talk about in this room. Good question. Just just not for this room. Uh, ben, did you have a follow up? I see you keep you keep raising your hand, Ben. No,
9: that was actually that that was pretty much it.
0: Um... All right, that's cool. All right, so um, I want to try and knock off the rest of these. I'm going to get everybody up here, and I'm going to try and close this room because this has been really going. This has been a great room. Um, all right, so let's go. We're going to go back to Globro for a follow-up, and then we're going to do future, and then my good life. So, Globro, you had a follow-up?
6: I just wanted to make a quick little point. Uh, we were talking earlier about emissions. Um, one thing people don't factor in, not only do the ranges of when do you offset the EV carbon footprint vary from you know 10,000 miles to 120,000 miles. Most people don't realize that steel, copper, lithium, all these things require not only oil and gas, but coal-fired plants and all the mines. So, I don't think we can ever make up the front-loading of carbon uh, footprint.
0: Yeah, it's, that, that sounds right, right. That ties in what we were talking about earlier about how if you do a full proper carbon audit of these things, they don't really save much on emissions. Thanks for that, Globo. All right, let's go to uh, Future Investor, and then we're going to go to My Good Life. Future Investor, please unmute yourself.
10: Yeah, hey George. Yeah, nice to speak with you, and uh, thanks for bringing me up. Just had a quick question. Um, given your experience at Fidelity. And looking through the thirteen F's and the recent filings, I was just wondering if you could provide some commentary on the types of discussions that are going on at, you know, T Rowe, uh, Capital World. These are obviously, you know, huge institutions, uh, a lot of capital. They're not ARC, not Kathy Wood. Um, they don't have the same axe to grind. So, you know, given that they've been adding to the shares, I'm just wondering if you could, yeah, provide any color insight on what you think they may be doing. And just to add to that. You know, the the price action in Tesla over the last two weeks feels very reminiscent to me uh, of the short squeeze that the stock went through in February 2020. You know, a lot of volume and and, uh, and up. This feels exactly the opposite. So I'm pretty sure the squeeze was driven by big institutions. Uh, What do you think about now?
0: So, not in any particular order, and I'll take a stab at it first, and then if, if Motorhead or Ben or anybody else wants to take a shot at it, uh, actually, you know what? Let me go to Ben. Ben, you, you seem to be animated about this question. Ben, do you have a perspective?
9: <laughs> oh, yes, I do. Uh, and this was this was uh, you know a quote conspiracy theory for a while uh, when the stock was just and uh, full disclosure. I was I was long while this was going on. Uh, but when we were getting these crazy gap ups and, you know, plus five, plus 10, plus 15% every day in Tesla, and you saw these wild, wildly outsized call buying volumes on the stock. And then later we found out that that was fucking San from SoftBank. It came out. It's, 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 it's a proven thing now. You know, Masasan Masa was buying tons and tons of OTM options on a lot of his holdings. To drive up the price because you know that that creates delta hedging. So it you know buying begets buying, whether it's through options or stock, and and that will unwind. And that, I think that's been a huge part of what we've seen recently because you know again th- this stock has more open op- open interest in the options chain than anything else in the entire market. Period. So you have to keep that because you know at, especially at this day and age. You know, if, if Ben Eiffert was here, he'd back me up on it. But, you know, at this current state or market condition, uh, you know, options do drive markets. That's that's reality. You know, the dealers have to hedge their positions that they're selling. And now with the, the stock price collapsing. All these, all these people who had a delta hedge against these deep out of the money options that are now way underwater, where the IV has been very much suppressed on them, they get to roll off those delta hedges of, of the, the common stock that they were owning to hedge against that. So it just creates that positive <laughs> feedback loop that goes lower and lower. That is just a, a reality. Like just, just talk to a, a, a guy who runs like a vault desk, and he'll tell you like that's that's a thing. Um, so like, yeah. And again, it's a very levered name because this is like, you know, this, this is a tiger cub favorite. It's, it's a, it's a name that levered funds love to be in cause it's just, you know, up and to the right. But when that breaks, you have to get and flush all of that, that leverage out of the name.
2: I, I, I would add Ben that that's that, that it, totally spot on. I would add to this, that, um, capital is the, uh, largest holder of Tesla among the Actively managed um, funds. Okay, so CWI? I'm, I'm not I'm not talking about you know BlackRock or or, or Vanguard. But right, Capital is is like the largest holder. and yes. they're based C- they're based in Los Angeles. And and you know you got Musk sitting there and you know um, propping up not and and you know going against LGBTQs and you know <laughs> saying that Medvedev had a great Great fucking thread last night. You know, I mean, I I, I, I would not doubt that when we get the next thirteen F, that um that capital is, has sold a lot of uh, of Tesla.
0: Yeah, and then, and then and then you add to that, you know, you got uh, Mr. Musk, who's now sold was it forty billion in equity this year or something like that. Um, so the float has been um getting bigger. Uh, I don't know what um some of the, the 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 mo guys like you know uh, baggy gifford have been doing um but that's pure momentum investing cash flow investing 101 and when the movie runs in reverse we know how that works and then i want to put the cat amongst the pigeons i, ra- I raised this before the other day and i'm going to repeat it and ben maybe this will trigger you but um you know you go back to uh 2000 And you look at the meteoric rise of ARC. And basically, and I'm not saying it's cause and effect, but it's symptomatic, maybe just the the changing tide of liquidity. But more or less from around the time Bill Huang blew up, that's kind of when Kathy Wood top-ticked. And I don't know for a fact what happened, but, you know, I'm a street-smart Jewish kid from New Jersey. My bullshit detector's pretty good. And if you just go back and look, whereby, you know, it's, it's well known, it's documented, they freely admit to it, um, Huang and Wood were tight. They met each other through a church. And, you know, it's just something tells me they were, their discussion wasn't just limited to the weekly Bible portion when they would meet. You then consider that Bill Huang uh, seated. ARC investment and if I were to be nice about it and not be too conspiratorial at a minimum I would say that Huang was using Kathy Wood as a useful idiot and just looking at her flows and what she was buying and the world had really never seen a gamma squeeze at least I wasn't even I didn't know the gamma squeeze was a thing until this Tesla thing started. And it takes a special type of sicko, Bill Huang, please call your office, to come up with such a scheme. And so at a minimum, I would say that Huang was anticipating and trading off of Kathy Woods flow. You could take it one step further and say that, you know, it was totally conspiratorial. But I think it would be useful Uh, exercise, a good use of time. If Gary Gensler and the good officers of the SEC would sort of take Huang's trading records out and Wood's trading records out and put them side by side and just see if there happen to be some patterns that are of note. I will also repeat the story that I mentioned the other day. And that is Good friend of mine in turn was having a conversation with someone he knew very well that used to work at Credit Suisse. And this was like, I don't know, it was earlier this year. And he asked this guy, Well, gee, you know, why is it that whenever there's a car crash, you guys are always left holding the bag? Like, how could you have extended Huang so much credit and and and, and been so stupid? You know, last one out's a rotten egg. Morgan Stanley, you know, Goldman panicked first. And the answer was, well, it's, we weren't as dumb as you think. Why? Well, the reason they sent him all the credit was apparently Huang had the golden touch. Whenever he'd buy something, it would soon be followed up by numerous sizable orders from other Asian, other Asian accounts. So the guy couldn't miss. So I think, I don't know, but I'm surmising, and I would like to hope, I would hope, the SEC would be curious enough to look into it. But I don't trust. I don't just. I don't. I and mean, the, the regulatory authorities are just. They're just outrageous. They, they don't enforce the laws. But the idea that Huang was working in concert with other uh, accounts, Asian offshore accounts, maybe Chinese accounts, and in turn with Kathy Wood, and in turn with Musk's offshore account. Some of that might be true. I don't know. But it's the question that hasn't been asked. So, Ben, I want to turn to you because you're a glass half-empty sicker kind of a guy like me. What part of that could you envision being partly true, mostly true? I mean, how fertile is your imagination, Ben?
9: Oh, so on on that specific kind of note, uh, I I think of things as conspiratorial uh, speculation, speculation and reasonable speculation and for me the whole i mean because again as you i was i was dying to bring this up you already did uh but i was dying to bring up that bill wang and kathy wood are great friends again like as you brought up that guy seeded her fund so there's obviously a connection there and you know those those two I, i doubt are mincing words in between bible study um I mean, and that's already a, a concern I have in, in general I, w- with Kathy Wood. If, if I have nothing against, you know, whatever God you want to pray to, that's fine. But, you know, Kathy Wood has said that, that she talks to God about her investments, which is already, to me, a, all kinds of red flags. Um, but I, that falls in, in, in my, again, like I'm, I'm a, I like to think of myself as like a cynical realist. It falls under reasonable speculation in my book. When you look at the the associations, I don't think it's that crazy. That because again, like yeah, you look at the 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 top ticket, Kathy Wood, and when Huang blew up, when he finally got caught out on his 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 uh, where he was basically he was pulling leverage from these different places that he wasn't being honest with. Um, so he was more or less double dipping double dipping in like leverage pools. Uh, you know, he he locked the float on GSX if anybody here is, you know, traumatized enough to remember that. I don't need to tell you that. Uh, But, yeah, it's, it's, that to me falls underneath, like, the reasonable speculation bucket. Um, Plain and simple. It's just, it's, it's just not a far stretch. When you look at the history between those two, it's not crazy to think that.
0: It certainly now is not crazy to think that. I think from where I come from, the regulators are not doing their job, and they'd be remiss if they didn't look into it. So, I mean, I just, I just think it's
9: well. And that was the one last thing I was going to say too. And I, somebody told me I need to like put this on a shirt. Um, the SEC does autopsies, not physicals.
0: Hundred percent, hundred percent. Thanks for your perspective, Ben. All right, let's go to uh, my good life, and then we're going to go to. <coughs> Kg. My good life, please unmute yourself.
11: Hi, how are you doing tonight? All good. Glad you're here. So, What's your question? Uh, my question is, I have a little bit of a different angle and a different perspective. And my background, I, I worked in solar for many years for uh, First solar, the largest uh, U.S. manufacturer of solar. Um, and recent experience, and I actually live in Arizona, so it's obviously a very sunny state. Um, but I'm installing solar on my home and the rate at which I'm able to procure solar and produce enough electricity for my home, but also an electric vehicle, uh, it essentially works out to about $50 or a little bit more a month uh, to basically power my home and power an electric vehicle. Uh, and this is, you know, a cash price, but... How you know? How do you think about that, and and be bearish on electric vehicles at the same time? I mean, I'm literally, and and, and this is before any net metering in Arizona. All right, so um, all right, Ben, we, we got the question.
9: We got the question. in My good life, Ben. Over to you. Uh, to, so my response to that would be: Do you know what the percentage of Americans are who live in an apartment? I do not know. It's a lot. Uh, And granted, a lot of these apartment complex slash multifamilies have charging stuff that they're starting to build in. But for the most part, if you're looking at an actual like linear extrapolation to people who can charge their vehicles at home, it's a very low percentage of the overall population.
0: Yeah, and I guess the last thing I would say just my good life is, uh, you know, the story may be right. I'm not even sure that it is that you're telling. But let's say the story is right. But as my good friend Joel Tillinghast, who recently retired from Fidelity, the price is wrong. I mean, at a 350 billion dollar market cap, it like it's it's in the price many, 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 many times over. So
9: yeah, yeah it's it's about 40 percent of the American population that lives in basically living structures that would not have access to even yeah. charging readily.
0: All right. Let's try and knock off the last couple speakers. Um, let's go to CKG. Please keep it brief. And then JR. CKG, please unmute yourself.
7: How's it going? Uh, thanks for having this space. Thanks for bringing me up. Couple statements, couple questions. Uh, one, Kathy is going to need a bigger boat. I think we all know also the SEC stands for Suck Elon's You Know What. So, first question um, uh, When will the master of of coin and uh the the techno king starts selling off their uh bitcoin i understand they have about i believe 19 billion
0: sorry are you talking about tesla selling their 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 bitcoins
7: yeah when no no
0: no, i'm sorry i'm sorry it's an irrelevant it's an irrelevant
7: second question then hold Um,
0: on hold on go ahead Amount of bitcoins they own they sold some of it i don't even know how much they own anymore it was tiny it was tiny. It was like a billion, $2 billion, whatever it was, compared to a company which even now has a market capital of $350 billion. So whether, whether, whether the price of Bitcoin goes to zero or goes or doubles from here, it doesn't move the needle on Tesla. So that's why I don't want to be harsh. It's just I'm, I'm tired and this is going on for almost two and a half hours. It's just not a relevant question. What's your next question, please?
7: Uh, sure. Um, the next question is, how big of a distraction um, is the it- are the tesla robots for tesla uh my understanding is they don't um spend um as much as other car companies yeah. again
0: you know what i'm just mm-hmm. going to motorhead quickly to answer that but i don't think it's terribly relevant to the to the listen it's an interesting question it's just not relevant to what we're trying to figure out here tonight which is whether or not tesla is going to go down 80 percent next year motorhead do you want to say anything about tesla's use of robots is there anything noteworthy or anything special yeah,
2: I mean they're a car maker, right? So, I mean that—that's all that needs to be said.
0: Thanks for that, Morthead. All right, I'm going to go to Jr. He's,
12: I'm going to give him the last. <laughs> hey, question yeah, I, I appreciate the chair. floor, guys. Yeah, so I, so George, I worked for S and P, sold a noble for a long time. I don't work for S and P anymore. <clears throat> My question is: is I think people don't 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 realize how big this thing is. It's not a gamma squeeze. It's this thing is in the index. Um, It gets stuffed into retirement target date funds and it's, it's that big. So my theory has been working at S and P for 10 years. I do think I know how archaic that organization is and how they operate. My hypothesis for the last two years and I've been wrong has been that this thing is going to get pulled out of the index and I want to be short. But I haven't been able to be short unless I buy implied volatility, which I've done. And I've made some money. I've lost a lot of money, to be completely honest. The last six months, I've, I've done pretty fucking good, but... My question is, is I, I don't think people realize the political risk that is in that name right now. Like legitimately, that is bigger. If it gets sucked out of the index, it doesn't get the passive money anymore. And the passive yeah, money, money is what's so we we run the IV up. We run the IV up to to sell off to passive. We know the game. It's J, an J,
0: easy game. J, J-R, J-R, JR, JR, excuse me, excuse yeah. me. Used to work at S and P. It's already the, the, the gamma squeeze was important because that's what jacked up the market cap, which got it into the index. Once it's in the index, you're totally right. A lot of indexation bullshit, passive target day funds, all that kind of crap.
9: Yeah. But the
0: point now in the index, all right? So the question is, what would it take to get it out of the index? It would have to fall a hell of a long way to get taken Did, out of the index. Why like, so, though? So, so, so let me no, hold on. Let me ask a question, please. So for right here, right now, the next six months, year, forget about whether, whether it goes to five, like motorhead. And I think will. it's taken out, you know, it should only happen. Right. But for the next six, 12 months,
12: just I'm having a hard time understanding how your question is relevant. I think it gets sucked out of the index because I think Morgan Stanley was on the hook to keep it in the index. Cause S and P and Morgan Stanley sleep together. Cause I used to sleep with them and that, Sorry right, sorry, sorry, Jr. You're not, you're not, you're not talking sense. How's it
0: going to fall out of the index in the next six months?
12: Because of because of the fact that that Tesla is creating a political. Uh, look, look at what SN.
0: I'm, I'm sorry, that kind of went off the rails a little bit. I apologize for that. All right, I'm going to um, we're going to bring the room to close. Before we do that, um, I'm going to turn to Ben, and lastly to Motorhead uh ben motorhead or any final thoughts uh that you want to impart with the audience that they should uh they should keep top of mind i mean ben I, I really had a chance to meet i know we've been in spaces a lot together but i'm really impressed with your perspective so ben is there one, are there one or two key takeaways that, that you want to leave with people and then,
9: then less we'll go to motorhead ben oh we used to we used to talk a lot more before you blew up um <laughs> <laughs> got, got all famous um I, I was and I was just about to I was I literally had a DM typed out to you right now about the an, an idea of, of a te- of a Tesla takeout um, that is just not even remotely on my radar um, because again I, I don't think they have clean books and I think we have several empirical and practical points to basically point that out Um so, because if, if obviously if they if they were to become an M target at, at some kind of lowish price for like a takeout or a take under, uh, they have to open up their books to outside parties. And when when Elon really flinched on the Twitter deal was when they wanted to really start deposing him and in digging into the nitty gritty of the stuff that he is involved with, and that's when he folded, which is what we predicted what we traded on made money on um that that is when he flinched and folded is when they wanted to depose him at length and at at detail that's when he backed out and and that's just elon that's not even the tesla books so i would i would i am very much against the idea that they'd be some kind of takeout targets even at a much lower multiple because again, at that point, they have to open up the books like full kimono to somebody that they don't trust that isn't in their pocket. I think this is a full wire card scenario for anyone who followed that regulatory capture kind of what we were speaking to earlier. Um that's again. That just I just do not think it could be a takeout target just based on the fact that I don't think their books are clean. I think their cash balance is bullshit just based on their 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 earned income on that that cash balance, which is dismally low. Um, so that's my closing thought on that. Man after my own heart. More power to you, Ben. The motorhead,
0: you started this whole thing. You're gonna end this whole thing. I want to thank you. This has just been extraordinary. You've been so generous with your time. And again, we've learned so much from you. So, Motorhead, the floor is yours.
2: Well, um, George, thanks. But you you, you actually are the, the the main man here. You put your money where your mouth is. And, and you know, it's great to see, you know, your ETF um, up so much. But um, I, I just, you know, uh, in a capital-intensive business like the auto industry, you um, I've never seen a car maker go up like this in, in terms of deliveries, whether it's true or frauded. I've never seen something go up in a straight line like this. And um, I've only seen something similar to this with Subaru between twenty ten and twenty sixteen. So anybody who can like, you know, download the data or look it up in, on Google, go look at go look at Subaru and see what happened and um they they peaked out at 17 percent operating margins in uh 2015 and um they're they're less than half the value that they were at that time so i think that's where we're heading with tesla
0: thanks for that motorhead um this has been an amazing room i learned a lot from so many of you in this room and i want to thank all of you um yeah, you know, it's funny. I've gotten a lot of uh, heat from my Tesla views, but I'm an investor. I'm not a. I don't try to predict short term wiggles. Um, I'm a fundamental investor, and it's funny. I love how people try to invoke dictums from uh, past investment greats, and they start invoking you know, what they think Peter Lynch would. Do. I that was a hilarious one. I think it was today tell yesterday. Peter Lynch would be buying Tesla. You think? (laughs) I didn't know when I finally could bring myself together and stop laughing. I politely, politely rebutted the guy. And, you know, he starts giving me grief. And someone wrote to my rescue with a follow up tweet. It was something like, this is hilarious. You know, the guy, the, 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 the newbie investor who's bought into the narrative is trying to school the guy who worked for Peter Lynch about what Peter Lynch should be doing with Tesla. I mean, what saddens me about this whole thing is people don't know what they own. They really don't. Elon Musk, Tesla, really epitomizes everything that's wrong with this market. It's only happened because so many things came. The confluence of factors. Too much money in the system, too much, you know, monetary largesse ESG scam accounting. The CEO who likes to kind of travel outside the lines. And captures the imagination of the public. This Tony Stark like figure. It's gonna save the planet. Phony Stark. Yeah, you know, you know, Ben, you know, you're against Tesla? Oh. You must not believe in climate change. You're a Neanderthal. You're a flat earther. They make the fawning of the mainstream media and Kramer and CNBC and all these clowns know what you own. They don't do the work. Motorhead does the work. Ben does the work. I do the work. You know, who you gonna who you going to believe? Ben, Motorhead, or Ross Gerber and Kathy Wood? I mean, we won't even get into it, but the quality of her research is legendary how bad it is. But this whole disintermediation whereby, you know, if people really had to do the work, do the analysis on Tesla, I think they would reach a different conclusion. Instead, they give money to Kathy Wood. She runs with it. Or they just buy into a narrative or her story. And they can get away with it. You know, let's be real. I mean, when you're in a market where David Portnoy is able to run rings around Warren Buffett by pulling dice out of a bag and, and, for, and picking stocks, the ticker symbol corresponds to the letters he pulls out of the bag, and he's and he, and he's, and he's ridiculing Warren Buffett, and he's kicking his butt when it comes to performance, did Warren Buffett get stupid all of a sudden? I don't think so. Or did the world go mad because there was too much money in the system? And it's that type of market environment that gives you Tesla. And I think it was a quote from Mark Twain, and I'm going to end on this. The quote from Mark Twain, I think I got it right. It's a lot easier to fool someone than it is to convince them
8: that they have been fooled.
0: And ladies and gentlemen, that is Tesla. That is, that is the, that is the, that's the investing public that's Tesla. So on that note, motorhead, I can't thank you enough. This has been, this has really been a tour de force. I think this is the best room ever in the history of Fintwit when it comes to Tesla and we have you to thank for it. And this room will probably be heard by, you know, 20, 30,000 people before it's all over and I hope some folks will avert some losses. By virtue of having listened to you. So, Motorhead, thank you. You've performed a real public service. So, um, anyway, thanks so much to everyone here. This has been a great room. We'll do it again before too long. And, you know, I keep joking about the car company that shall not be named. Well, we're naming names and we're taking prisoners. So, there you go. Hopefully, I don't get thrown off of Twitter. If I do get thrown off of Twitter, you can start a GoFundMe page for me.
4: You'll know what happened. All right, guys. Take care. Everyone be well. Good night. Thanks, George. Good night.